Well, hello and welcome to episode number 330 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's show, everyone's favourite low-cost airline is threatened with an Italian flight ban. A captain dismissed a go-around call before a hard landing incident and a new service between Teesside and Heathrow opens up. In the military segment this week, the SpaceX capsule returns safely to Earth. And here, uh, castaways are found by an Air Force tanker crew in the Pacific Ocean. We announced the winner of our Plane Reclaimers £150 gift voucher. And Captain Al talks to Matt about airplane mode in the latest Plane Truth episode. So joining me this week, as always, over in the PTUK studios, pressing all the right buttons with a lovely air conditioning system <laughs> in a nice, cool studio. Oh, how I wish that Matt was Smith. true. Oh, how I wish <laughs> that was true my goodness mate so I, I i know we shouldn't complain really because uh, other than like when lockdown first started where it was really nice it mm. the weather's not been great for a long time has it the, my no. goodness me it's making up for it today isn't it Ooh, yes what have you been up to today? i presume you've been in your non-air conditioned truck all day <laughs> yes i've been in my in my 2019 plate uh iveco truck to uh, drive around the mean streets of uh, East Anglia. And yes, Matt, it has no air conditioning, but I do have a fridge <laughs> in there now, oh, well, which there means I do have I do have chilled beverages whilst I'm driving along, so that's great. Right. Well, I mean, that's sensible, yeah. I know. <laughs> so, uh, you have noticed we have uh, no Nev with us this week. Nev is, unfortunately, he is uh, uh, on a special mission to sample the latest and greatest red wines of Europe. <laughs> right. So Nev uh, won't be able to be with us this week. And also, Armand Armando can't be with us this week because Armando is busy carrying passengers around the US uh, for his airline. So that's good because at least that means Armando is working and uh, that's always a good thing with the aviation industry as it is now. But joining us this week, we have a, well, it's a legendary guest really and we love having him on the show and he's back to uh, taunt us with... Joy, joyous, joyous revelry. You're and it right, is, of course, Have you had a lot to drink or something? I know, Carlos? I know. <laughs> it is, of course, the... the, the well, he, is, well, he doesn't need an introduction, really. It's, it's the man himself. It's Captain Nick. <laughs> Hi, guys. Joyous revelry. I don't know if I can live up to that, but uh, I'll do my best. Sorry uh, for not being able to make it last week. Uh, I gather you did find a last-minute replacement, but uh, that E-Day had been a bit of a disaster for me. So uh, <laughs> I, by the time I got around only a few minutes before the show started, I was feeling decidedly off-colour. So uh, better imagine. to have put it off for this week. But Absolutely. thanks very much for, uh, for not banning me completely. <laughs> Absolutely. You're always welcome, my friend. Always welcome. <laughs> Definitely. It's good. it's good to have you back on, Nick. It's good to have oh, you back thank on. You. How are things across uh, your side of the UK, and, uh, Nick? I'm guessing you're uh, enjoying the the summer, summer sun. Uh, Twenty seven degrees. Well, I certainly am in, enjoying it with the the car and the roof down. <laughs> Although at times I'm I'm kind of uh, not feeling very green because I've got the roof down and the aircon on full blast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anyone; they'll never know. It's fine. No, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Uh, Actually, but, Nick. Uh, Nick. Actually, I was going to say, Nick, we were saying earlier, you're going to treat yourself to a, to a new present soon for all your amazing photography work, aren't you? 
Well, that's right. Uh, you know, uh, all the meagre profits I make from my photography business go into a little bucket, and when it becomes sufficiently large, I can <laughs> splash out and uh, you know treat myself to something new, which is which is brilliant. Um, except that this something new is is bigger than my, my bucket, so I'm having to uh, sneak in birthday presents and Christmas presents. But I'm, I'm looking at acquiring uh, the new Canon mirrorless R5 wow. camera, Ooh. so I'm hoping to give it a tryout uh, with Adam when we go up to Duxford for the uh, air display in September. I should have it by then. Oh, wow. So uh, apparently I can strap my uh, big Canon uh, glass on it, my EF lenses uh so um hoping to get some good results at 20 frames a second uh, i should pretty soon fill up a few cards like <laughs> yeah. 45 megapixels of big file sizes so i mean, I mean yeah. presumably that that isn't just sorry we're, we're talking about photography i do apologize everyone oh, see, I, yeah, aviation photography. Photography. Yeah. Aviation oh, okay, well, that's right we can get away with that then that's fine but but, but i mean one Certainly of the things can. that's really interesting from from my point of view obviously is because i mean presumably genuinely the, the the file sizes now with with so much data in the, I mean, the, the picture files themselves must be huge. They are. They are huge. Uh, and uh, I've never had a camera, well, I won't have had a camera with this capacity before. So uh, the trouble is that you end up going, okay, I've got this fantastic new camera, and now I'm going to need um, get a couple of new lenses. And then you, <laughs> put it, you start trying to process the pictures on your big iMac, which I've got here, 27-inch, which is quite old now. It's 2013 um and i'm, I'm gonna probably go oh this is isn't coping very well so if i replaced it it would be two or three thousand uh and then you're going to need a bigger storage so not only cards to go in your new camera which are probably about 125 quid for a decent size card uh new batteries types uh, so they're over 100 pounds each Uh, Yeah, it all starts to mount up. Uh, Then, of course, you're going to need more storage. So I'll need some, like, 10 terabyte drives to put (laughs) all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So, you know, the camera is just the start of a a very slippery slope. Actually, you you mentioned Duxford there. Interestingly enough, um, Aaron's ATPL journey uh, saying he's flying into Duxford for the first time tomorrow. That's quite oh, cool. really. Oh, Aaron, we want to hear a lot more about that. Please do get in touch. Pictures, and send tell, us pictures. Yeah, send us pictures and tell us yeah. all about it. We'd love, we'd love yeah, to hear about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, send us exciting. pictures of the crash. We'd love to oh, see. Oh, stop it. Honestly. Oh, sorry. And <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> we're not allowed to say that. <laughs> There's no such thing as a crash. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so thanks. Uh, we're going we're gonna to say a big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the live YouTube chat room this evening. Uh, big mention to everyone in there. We're going to run through some names quickly before we go and move on. Alan White, hello to you, Alan. Pilot Pips in there. Stephen Ooh, Ivy. We've got Tanya W. Uh, Mash is in there. We've got Stephen H. Racon is in there. Uh, Richard Adams. And we scroll down. Armando is obviously in there, keeping an eye on things. Of course. Uh, we've got uh, Tony S. Lane Street, our main man, Micah, also is in there as well. Uh, Aaron's ATPL, as Matt said, is also in the chat room. Um, scrolling down, make sure he's, I haven't he's flying down from Teesside, by the way, which is quite exciting. He's, oh, that's quite, that's quite exciting. Yeah, it's a nice Should be good, journey. good weather tomorrow, actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, welcome to everyone who's joined us in the uh, YouTube chat room this evening. It is uh, the seventh of August. 
and uh, time just coming past uh, eight minutes past seven. So, so for anyone who listens to the audio version who wants to join in, don't forget to uh, go over to YouTube and find us on there. Just search Plain Talking UK on YouTube. You'll find the uh, live shows on there if you want to watch Pipe playback versions and also don't forget as well to hit subscribe and hit the bell icon which is right next to it which you'll be uh, notified then when we go live with our new episodes because we'd love to have you in the live chat room when we're doing the live shows as everyone is at the moment so good nice to see everyone so i suppose you better push on with the show we've got loads of news to get through this week and uh, as we said earlier don't forget that competition's being drawn later on Ooh, exciting so we're going to start the show then are you all right carlos seriously we, yeah i'm fine we're going to start the show then as we do it's hot in here i'll tell you it's so hot <laughs> I, 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 just just going to do that for the benefit of everyone uh, who's watching there we go Well, that's quite warm for the uk yeah i'll give you that yeah there we go yeah <laughs> anyway let's do some aviation so, so as we do each week with our rundown of the week news from around the world and the uk so if every Everyone is ready. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Uh, I'm not. So kicking off this week's first news, it's breaking news. Going to have to sort of insert a kind of... All right, I've got enough to do. (laughs) I know, fine, fair enough, don't do that one. So this one is on the bbc.co.uk, and this one was 30, well, just just over 35 minutes ago. And uh, Kerala plane crash, 16 dead after Air India plane breaks in two at Calicut. I think it's Calicut pronounce that. An Air India Express aircraft with 191 people on board has crashed at an airport in the southern state of Kerala, killing at least 16 people, officials say. The aircraft en route from Dubai skidded off the runway and broke in two at uh, Calcutta Airport upon landing, India's aviation authorities said. Rescue efforts are underway currently with emergency services at the scene and Prime Minister Narendra Modi said he was pained by the accident. Uh, M.K. or McRavener, a lawmaker from Calicut, told the uh, BBC at least 16 people have died in the crash. Most people on board the Boeing 737 jet have been evacuated, with at least 35 of them taken to hospital with injuries, the authorities have said. The airline said that there were 184 passengers, including 10 children and 7 crew members, of which two were pilots on board flight IX-1344 when it crashed at Calicut, also known as Kazakodi. I don't know. Matt, I thought you were giving that story. Yeah, you're, on, uh, the, you're on your own, mate. Sorry. The, flight, uh, <laughs> the flight was being operated by the government to repatriate Indians stuck overseas during the coronavirus outbreak. The Directorate General of Civil Aviation, or DGCA, said the plane fell into a valley and broke into skidding off the end of the runway. No fire was reported at the time of landing, the aviation regulator said. Images carried by uh, Indian media show the aircraft broken in two pieces with people searching through the wreckage. Distressed to learn about the tragic accident of the Air India Express aircraft in Kasodi, Kerala, uh, have instructed the NDRF, or National Disaster Response Force, to reach the site at the earliest and assist with record, uh, rescue operations. The incident happened at around 1900 local time, or thir- uh, 1430 uh, BST, amid heavy rainfall in the region. There's been also flooding and landslides as Indians, uh, India's monsoon season reaches its peak. Earlier on Friday, dozens of people were feared dead uh, in the 
Kerala's Duruk district after monsoon seasons floods triggered a landslide. So it's safe to say, obviously, that the, the, it was definitely bad weather. You can see all the pictures on here that there was it's obviously raining at the time uh, when this happened. Um, I say one of the pictures there shows the rear end or rear of the aircraft. I think that's from probably around about where the wing section is back to the tail is kind of in one piece with the front end of the aircraft, I think is the part that, that uh, took the most damage. I think one of the reports I heard on the news before we went live was that I think it said the captain had uh, had been killed and the first officer was um, was injured. But um, I think this is a kind of evolving story, guys. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. Uh... Oh, it is. But this this is uh, typical of accidents that we're hearing about more and more often. Uh, um, runway excursions, uh, and particularly on landing, and particularly associated with uh, bad weather, white weather. Uh, and despite uh, a couple of decades of work by uh, national authorities around the world, um, uh, th- this tendency uh, for people to persist in trying to land when the approach isn't perfect or they haven't uh, really taken into account the conditions um, led to uh, the introduction of stabilized approach criteria which are so common now that uh, I can't understand that there would be an airline without that or an an authority. Um, Not just that but uh, rigid uh, adherence to landing distance calculations uh, and um, training that involves uh, bulk landings, bounce landings, things that go wrong in the final part of approach. Um, the industry has been trying to tackle it uh, really hard, but it persists in being one of the nastiest and most common accidents that we're getting. It's, it's very sad, despite the industry's best efforts. Uh, we don't seem to be stamping this problem out. Action update on the um, Aviation Herald website. Um, I'm just just checking up on that. It does say that um, it's been updated that the, uh, someone's reported that both pilots have actually been killed in the in the accident. It does say on here as well, uh, Nick, that according to ADSB data, the aircraft had attempted one approach to runway 28 about 20 minutes prior to the landing, but had gone around from about 2,700 feet. So well, that's good. That's good because uh, perhaps the crew were being go go around minded w- when conditions weren't perfect. But eventually, you get to a point where you're starting to um, have fuel consumption uh, issues. Uh, you may not have quite the reserves that you need to hang around until the weather improves. Uh, for some reason, they may have been reluctant to, to divert. Uh, and in the monsoon. Uh, we know that conditions can be pretty awful, not just in, at the airfield you're at, but in large swathes of the country. So um, that might have been a problem. It, they might have needed to land at that airport and not, had no alternative. They yeah. shouldn't really have got themselves into mm-hmm. that situation, I would hope, but it's, it's a possibility. And when you're under that kind of pressure, it can lead to mistakes. I'm not suggesting the crew made a mistake. It may have been something else that happened. But, yeah. uh, um, you know, we'll and just have to wait and see. Yeah, it's, it's one of those, isn't it? As you say, it's an evolving story, and I'm sure it more information is, yeah. will come out. Before we move on to the next story here, now I do this slightly nervously, Nick, uh, but I've had a, a, a text message from Pip which is always nerve-wracking. Uh, I know, that was my reaction. Uh, oh, so I'm going to say, can you... Is it ask- broadcastable? Uh, probably not. Uh, the, so the question that, the question that uh, Pip is asking is, can you ask Nick how he came to be at NASA in 1977 with the Star Trek crew? Clearly it's him standing next to Zulu. 
I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a bit rude, isn't it, honestly? Which, which one's me? Uh, the one in the brown suit, I think. Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> I don't think that's me. <laughs> I, I used to have an aubergine-coloured suit. Right. But it had big flares. <laughs> um, okay. Well, it there we are. look like my suit. No, you, uh, could bl- you could blame Pip for identity, that. identity, but <laughs> thanks for that, Pip. Yes, always Appreciate a pleasure, that. never a chore. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, sorry, carry on, Carlos. Uh, next, uh, this, uh, this is the next story. This, uh, well, story number one, the last one was story zero, because we like to bang in an extra story. Yeah, well, it was breaking is, uh, as we came live. Breaking news, yes. Yeah, so yeah. this... Um, this next story, actually, it was sent in last night by listener Aaron. And uh, this one is over on the pointsky.co.uk website. And regional UK airline secures Heathrow slots for the first time. So another small carrier has gained access to some of the notoriously hard-to-get slots at London Heathrow's airport. Eastern Airways is set to launch a brand-new route from Teesside Airport in the northeast to London Heathrow. The route, which will be operated by a 76-seater Embraer 170, has its inaugural flight scheduled for the 14th of September. We'll see if that happens. The flight is uh, currently scheduled to arrive into and depart from Heathrow Terminal 2. However, this could change when Heathrow reopens Terminals 3 and 4, which were closed due to the pandemic. Uh, For the week commencing the 14th of September, the airline will operate four flights per week, uh, building this up gradually until the week commencing the 5th of October, when there will be a once-daily flight. The schedule um, is on the website here. If you want to take yourselves over the notes, which will be on the show notes for this. So the route will mean uh, close competition for BA, which operates the only other route from the northeast of England, uh, Newcastle to Heathrow, for travellers in County Durham and Teesside. Teesside Airport is likely to be a quicker and easier airport to get to than uh, Newcastle. So Eastern Airways, just for those of you who might want to fly on it, they offers an economy passengers of 15 kilograms of checked luggage, uh, whereas checked luggage is not included for passengers who opt for BA's lowest fares. Sorry, Nev. Uh, Eastern also offers in-flight drinks and snacks, including alcohol on flights after 11 a.m. And as a result of the coronavirus pandemic, British Airways recently brought back free snacks and water services to its Euro Traveller cabins, as Nev probably found out, but is uh, likely to revert back to its buy-on-board Marks and Spencer stuff at a later date. Actually, so interesting, route- sorry, in, uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, mm. the uh, Tony's actually saying uh, rather interestingly that um, uh, the Tees Valley Mayor was elected on the promise of rescuing Teesside Airport, and he's doing a good job so far. So that's, that's, oh, that's a nice thing to hear, isn't it? Yeah, he sort of yeah. delivered on his on his promise anyway. And it's also good. It's nice to hear of of nice or good stories. Um, at the moment for yes. airlines Agreed. Um, absolutely. and for passengers as well so that's good oh absolutely yeah. uh, and I don't think there'll be a lot of complaint from uh, the big carriers because after all uh, we need the feeders to bring passengers into uh, places Indeed, like yeah. Heathrow so they can get on board their international flights and um, you know the big carriers will be very happy when that happens so uh, I think it's great um, the only problem I have with it is mixing these little puddle jumpers uh, uh, in with all the big boys and um, we have a big problem uh, on the approach of getting all the aircraft in that we want. And I'm sure Adam will be sort of going, oh, no, not, a, <laughs> not another puddle jumper. There's a bug smasher on the approach. Oh, no. I, I, um, I remember from our chats, actually, where, with him, because uh, Flybe, obviously, were one of... Was it Flybe that were one of the few that still had... Um, 
uh, their little, they had one going yeah, in, didn't dash they? Eight or the something. Dash 8 going into uh, Heathrow and, uh, you know, it was, you know, obviously spacing and things like that was a big issue to get the, the gaps big enough for, um, for ev- you know, for everyone to sort of, you know. That's, ex- that's exactly right. And, but usually the crews are, are very uh, of course, cooperative yeah. and they, they sort of uh, slam the throttles to full power and they're sort of coming down the slope uh, uh, balls to the wall and right. um, oh, uh, you know, confidently or something Com- similar. Confidently, they're coming. Yes, absolutely. Right. Should we move and on? Before slowing down at the last yeah. moment. Well, because at least uh, at least they'll be not their chuff. At least they'll be able to get off the the runway quick at the well, first available exit. True. Yeah, true. it's true. Yeah. Smoking brakes and coming yeah. off on two wheels. Yeah, yeah, quite. So Indeed. the next story. Moving on for yeah. Matt and yes. uh, it- Italy are are. Putting their banning fists together. Right. Okay. Are you are you all right, Carlos? Seriously. I'm fine. Yeah. I, I have no beer. No, I'm empty. Right. Oh, clear. Clearly, that's what's wrong. Yes. Absolutely. Anyway, so there was. A, yes, that was an unusual transition. Thanks for that. Euronews is the site. Euronews.com, and the headline is: uh, Italy threatens Ryanair with flight ban over COVID-19 safety rules. So, uh, Italy's civil civil aviation authority, uh, ENAC has threatened to suspend Ryanair's permit to fly into the country, citing non-compliance with COVID-19 safety rules. Uh, ENAC said in a statement that Ryanair systematically does not comply with national regulations to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission when flying to and from Italian airports. Uh, Not only is the obligation of distancing between passengers not observed, but also the conditions that allow uh, uh, um, derogation? Um, not sure what that word means. What does derogation mean? De- deregulation, is it? Is it dereg? No, derogation. Oh right, Ro- yeah. rogue, rogue nation. Yeah, oh, rogue, no, yeah get rid of uh, the rogue nation. Um, I, I, I'll just just um, just break in there that uh, derogation is an exemption form or rela- relaxation of a rule or law. Oh. Ooh, there we are. Well, they see every day is a school day, isn't it? And it's derega- derogation. Of all the people I thought would know that. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I, I've learned something today. Anyway, well done, Carlos. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, not only is this obligation uh, not of distancing between passengers not observed, but also the conditions that allow derogation from this distancing are not met. It added. Uh, it warned that if the Irish airline persists in flouting the rules, it will require it could require Ryanair to not only fly planes at half capacity or worse, uh, it could suspend all air transport activities at national airports, requiring the carrier to reroute all passengers already in possession of tickets. Ryanair rejected ENAC's accusations as factually incorrect in a statement to Euronews. Uh, Ryanair complies fully with the measures set out by the Italian government and our customers can rest assured that we are doing everything to reduce the interaction on both our aircraft and at airports to protect the health of our passengers when flying with Ryanair added it argued that it encourages all passengers to check in online and that specific boarding procedures have been put in place to avoid unnecessary gathering of passengers both at boarding gates and on the aircraft Uh, to fly planes at full capacity to and from Italy airlines must ensure that social distancing is respected before and after takeoff during boarding boarding and transfer on shuttle buses staff and passengers must also wear masks throughout the flight and change them every four hours. Ryanair operates out of more than 25 Italian destinations and Italy was the first European
European, first of the European countries to be hit hard by the global pandemic and to impose lockdown measures to curb the spread of the deadly virus. More than 35,100 people have lost their lives to COVID-19 in the country and over 248 thousand people have been infected by the disease according to a tally from john hopkins university um i'll tell you what actually if jenny is in the chat is jenny in today um because i'd be i'd be very interested to uh, to hear her thoughts on it actually so uh, it's uh, yes i i see i'm getting some stick in the chat room uh <laughs> but uh, it's no less than i deserve it's the english language talking park podcast airliners live has suggested so thanks for that but uh, well as i say i, I learned a new word today uh, yes actually yeah let me see if i can pop that up on screen um so jenny's just sent a message said um um oh i do love it when the technology yeah jenny jenny says that yeah. uh, apparently there is a bit of a bit of a bun fight to get stuff out of the overhead bins and get off the flights yeah and i think we've, we've all seen that i think with flights yeah i, I well and, and, and it does make you wonder maybe if if somebody has been on said flight um whether you know perhaps they've witnessed something like i mean there must be a reason why um you know the authorities have sort of you know been either made aware of it or or something like that so i uh, i again this is potentially another developing story so moving on to the next story captain nick you've got uh, this next one yes this is from uh, farber international news network uh, and it's about virgin atlantic's chapter 15 proceedings and they tell us that Virgin Atlantic has filed for bankruptcy protection in New York amid fears it will run out of cash in September if a planned rescue deal were to fail. So it's just a preemptive uh, measure that they're putting in place, but we're all hoping that their reorganization will occur. The 49% of the airline is owned by U.S. carrier Delta, uh, with the remainder earned by a group, uh, which is uh, Sir Richard Branson's Virgin Group. Uh, Virgin Atlantic filed under Chapter 15 of the U.S. Bankruptcy Code. Um, so what this does is to make it easier for the protection of investments and uh, the preservation of employment protection for U.S. assets against creditors. So the U.S. portion of the company will be protected Um if you were an American airline, you would be filing under a different code. Um, bankruptcy protection filing is in addition to court proceedings filed in a UK court this week where Virgin Atlantic obtained approval to convene meters of affected creditors to vote on the restructuring plan on August the 25th. They're not long to go before that happens. Uh, a VA spokesman said that the company was pursuing a solvent restructuring under British law. Uh, in May, the company uh, announced it was set to cut more than 3,000 jobs and ending operations in Gatwick uh, and consolidating its operations in Heathrow. And the airline seeking approval of a five-year, £1.2 billion pound restructuring deal, including fresh funding from investors and the wider Virgin Group and renegotiations on aircraft leases. So I know for a fact that uh, there are a number of uh, investors that have already committed uh, large sums of money, including Richard Branson himself, to keep the company solvent. Uh, the court filing said the ongoing COVID-19 uh, pandemic has had an adverse impact not only on the airline, but 
the aviation industry as a whole. I think we could take that for granted. Uh, occasioning the near shutdown of the global passenger aviation industry. Now, Virgin, unlike some airlines, only has a relatively small cargo uh, branch, and the aircraft are, are all passenger um, primarily um, orientated aircraft. We don't have a freight division. Mm. So, uh, you know, carrying cargo is a, a subcategory of the airline's main job carrying passengers. And they're saying that a more comprehensive recapitalization is necessary to secure the future of its business and ensure that it's able to meet its liabilities. So they're just being a responsible um, company, really. They're setting in line protections so that if they do have a problem with restructuring, and I don't think anyone's really anticipating that, um, that they will be in a position to deal with it. Is, is this genuinely something to be concerned about, though, Nick? I mean, you know... Well, I don't have access to the books, no, so no, no uh, I can't really yeah. say. But uh, what I will say is that uh, the tabloids latched uh, onto the word bankruptcy, right. and uh, for a couple mm. of days it was really uh, a press field day over a misinterpretation of what seeking chapter 15 in the united states means for an airline yeah. and uh, you know an airline relies a lot on uh, a sense of security no one wants to be left overseas uh, when an airline say like monarch did mm. goes bust and then there has to be a huge and very expensive repatriation yeah. um so uh, when people hear that an airline might be in financial difficulties, they get nervous and they're perhaps unlikely or less likely to book uh, on that airline, which, as uh, Captain Al on his interview with me a while back said, it therefore forces a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. If, uh, if their airline appears to be in trouble, people not booking on it, uh, makes, makes that in trouble, problem yeah. a reality, yes. Yeah. So I thought it was very irresponsible of the press to misrepresent this action. Uh, but, but, and, I, mean, uh, I mean, this is, this has been the problem with the media in general, hasn't it? I mean, it, it, you know, for yeah. the, the inaccuracies when it comes to reporting on aviation stories, you know, and the thing is, is there are people, not Alex, uh, who do know what they're talking about when it comes to, you know, there are pundits and experts out there. I mean, I, I miss terribly. Um, uh, so we had um, uh, Richard Westcott, who was the transport correspondent for the BBC, who now actually works in our region. Um, but he used to go to great lengths. Um, we had a great interview with him, uh, you know, and he, he, he got as frustrated as everyone else when, when things like this happen, because it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot to, to look up a picture of said aircraft and make sure it's attached to the correct story and and things like that and as you say and you'd have thought um you know as you say like they've, they've literally latched onto the word um bankruptcy and and that you know but not done their research into what that actually means you know and that that in in the states because the rules are very different there uh, than it is here cause almost we, certainly yeah. uh, you look at the airlines the big and successful airlines that went all the way into chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in the united states and involves huge airlines like delta mm. it, it, it is just a protection those airlines came back out of chapter 11 and continue to be very successful airlines after they were given a pause to renegotiate their finances, their finances and deal with their creditors and that's what 
these these um, protections in the U.S. do. Sadly, it only really affects the U.S. portion of the airline. Yeah. Uh, in the U.K., as we saw with uh, Monarch, if we'd had an equivalent, Monarch might well be still with us as right. they uh, had found themselves perhaps uh, another buyer and renegotiated finance, etc., etc. But we don't. So in the U.K., we still see these airlines going under very dramatically which I think is a mistake. I think currently the financial rules in the United States are superior when it comes to protection of big companies. These sort of things. As you say, because it buys time to restructure, literally. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Mm. Indeed. So uh, moving on to the next story, and uh, this we're going to go hand things over to Armando. I know he's not here, but uh, he has very kindly sent us in an update. So a a very things, cool location. A very cool update. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here we go. Hey guys, I just wanted to give you a quick business aviation update. So business aviation is poised to have some of the best of its times post-COVID-19 as the sector welcomes unprecedented numbers of new customers seeking the safety and convenience of private air travel. That's according to Kenny Ditcher, founder and CEO of Wheels Up. Ditcher spoke on July 29th during a webinar hosted by Aviation Week. In this conversation with Fred George, Aviation Week's chief aircraft evaluation editor, uh, Ditcher described how the pandemic has brought changes to the sectors that both owners and operators will welcome. Uh, according to him, he says, we saw the whole addressable market shift before our eyes. If there were 100,000 people and businesses that are in the private aviation addressable market pre-COVID, in the last 120 to 150 days, that has swelled. He thinks that the whole industry is going to benefit from this. There's two to 300,000 people that are now looking at private aviation, not just as a luxury, but as a necessity. So Wheels Up has seen these changes firsthand. The, com the company is adding new customers at double plus per month rates seen before the crisis and is now running at pre-COVID le uh, levels, according to Ditcher. Uh, he said, it's a different kind of demand. It's not the business flying that we are used to seeing because businesses are still mandating that people work from home. Separately, vacation travel as we know it is not happening. So what we're seeing are families relocating, moving around. Uh, the good news, according to him, is that when business and leisure as we know it comes back in, you're going to see a heyday in that private aviation space. So. Turning private aviation into a mass market is not just uh, wheels up and ditchers rallying cry. According to him, he says it should be as easy to order a safety vetted, verified airplane on your iPhone as it is an Uber or a Domino's pizza. Uh, that's what he told Aviation Week. It, his, it has been his goal from the very beginning. Uh, wheels up has always been focused on the King Air platform because he saw it as the flying sport utility vehicle. It is a very versatile aircraft capable of carrying out large numbers of short haul flights at a low cost. Through acquisitions, Wheels Up bought uh, a TMC company in 2019, was an existing Part 135 aviation partner, Gamma Aviation, in March of this year. And the company has expanded just not just in its size, but it's in capability. So according to him, the King Air was a category onto itself. Uh, the next natural class for us is to be in, in the small mid, which is kind of the Cessna Citation XLS, and the Citation X was a perfect super mid for uh, wheels up. With the TMC acquisition, they picked up 26 Beechcraft 400 XPs that gave us King Air, light, mid, and super mid capabilities. And speaking of the Beechcraft King Air, the venerable and venerated King Air turboprop is getting a mild but noticeable makeover with the new 
three King Air 360 and 360 ER versions that were announced this week. So key features include new auto throttles, digital pressurization management, in addition to a heavily revised interior. Updates to the pressurization include higher differential pressure limit to provide a 10% decrease in cabin altitude at most common cruise altitudes. That's basically a more comfortable ride for the passengers. So while some King Air watchers wondered if Textron Aviation would go to a full FADEC, which is full authority digital engine control, plus the 1,000 horsepower Pratt & Whitney PT6, the company insisted that it has ad adapted the innovative solutions and support Thrust Sense Auto Throttle. According to uh, Textron, the auto throttle supports pilots in their critical mission of delivering people or cargo safely by automatically managing engine power from the takeoff roll through the climb, cruise, descent, go-around, and landing, landing phases of flight. So this enhancement reduces pilot workload. It supports them in their continuous vigilance to prevent overspeed or underspeed, over-temp, over-torque conditions. The Textron Aviation also updated the King Air 350. Uh, their manual pressurization control to a new digital controller that automatically schedules cabin pressure during both climb and descent, reducing the pilot workload and increasing overall passenger comfort. So the pressurization gauges seems like a small change, but it's uh, been integrated with the powerful Col uh, Collins Aerospace Proline Fusion Flight Deck. Um, that's according to Textron. Uh, Kinger has seating up to nine passengers. And the King Air 360's new interior is said to have nicer materials, better attention to detail, and upgrades like a multitude of USB charging ports, LED lighting. According to the company, they created an environment that provides passengers with a greater sense of openness inside the King Air. Um, that's according to the Chris Tannehill. That's their senior vice president of customer experience. He says the cabin experience is such a crucial element when choosing an aircraft, and it was important for us to surpass customer expectations. Their journey will not only be comfortable, but also a relaxing, enjoyable experience. Beechcraft King Air 360 offers many of the amenities that our customers desire. So this King Air cruised at about 312 knots for a maximum range of 1,800 nautical miles for the 360 and uh, almost 2,700 nautical miles for the 360 extended range with 775 gallons of fuel. So Textron expects to deliver the first 360 in the fall. Of course, prices have not yet been announced. And lastly in business aviation, we need somewhere for these business aircraft to go, and those are called FBOs, or fixed base operators. One of the biggest FBOs in the world is Signature Flight Support. They've just announced that it's expanding its European network with the acquisition of two TAG Aviation FBOs in Switzerland. This marks the global service provider's first entry into the Swiss market. The deal includes a former TAG FBO at Geneva International Airport, uh, a long-coveted market for Signature, and this move signals the end of TAG's more than half a century as the FBO operator in Geneva. It leaves it with just a lone FBO in Macau, uh, according to the sale or following the sale of the Farnborough Airport in September. Located in the airport's general aviation terminal, the facility includes three private passenger lounges, two rest areas, and an eight-seat conference room. So according to Signature, Europe continues to be an area of strategic opportunity for their global business. TAG Aviation's tenured presence in Geneva presented an excellent means to enter the second busiest general aviation market in Europe, and its operations in Sion are a source of valuable seasonal traffic. They look forward to building an extensive 
reputation for service excellence that TAG Aviation had cultivated. I mean, kudos on the background there, Armando. I mean, come on, that's just that's just not playing ball, is it? Honestly, that's very yeah, nice. Um, he had that memorised to a T, didn't oh, I know. he? Absolutely. He forgot to mention though that those king ants can kill a lot of bugs. <laughs> what have you popped up behind you there, Nick? What are you? Well, like? I'm supposed to be. Am I supposed to be replacing Armando? So social distancing. Look, he's yeah, right on say, your shoulder. Absolutely. There, there's, there's... Yeah, I know. And he's got a big head too. <laughs> But anyway, uh, <laughs> great piece though. I, it I'm is, amazed. Yeah. Very smooth. I, I think I can just about afford the Connect membership here. So the <laughs> the the one time initial uh, initial fee initiation fee of two thousand nine hundred ninety five pounds. Yeah, I think the core membership and the business membership. Mm, yeah, it's a lot yeah. of money. This, yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so. Uh, I mean, Lane Street saying signature is rying uh, to be the only FBO in the game at the moment, which is which is an interesting uh, interesting point, really. Uh, yeah, this whole wheels up thing is quite good. Oh, I'd, I'd like to point out, by the way, that um, I did a little piece uh, which included the story of uh, Olive Anne Beach, ah. the first lady of aviation who run, ran the beach uh, company for many, many years after her husband, the uh, boss, uh, fell ill. Uh, and she's a remarkable lady and great story of a uh, lady, the very first uh, aircraft manufacturing executive to run a company. Well, we'll leave that with producer John, who will no doubt find out which episode that was actually on. Oh, the last uh, one. <laughs> oh, it was the last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Richard Adams is desperately concerned, by the way, Nick. He's very concerned that essentially you're sitting on Armando's knee and that social distancing has gone out of the window. Uh, I'm, I'm nothing but a puppet. <laughs> right. Don't okay. ask where his hand uh, is. Okay, and uh, yeah, there we are. That's where we need to move on. Carlos, please dig us out of this hole. Uh, <laughs> and, and we move on to a story about an aircraft that doesn't look anything at all like an Airbus. So this is on the <laughs> flightglobal.com website. And uh, the headline on here is all about the MC-21 undergoing water ingestion test runs. Guessing it was a bit thirsty. So Urquhart has completed a series of water ingestion tests of the MC-21-300 twin jet at speeds of up to 150 knots. The airframer says the testing has confirmed the aircraft is capable of operating on water-contaminated runways. Uh, Irkup performed 29 runs as well as three taxiing tests at Yulidnovsk over the week of the 20, uh, 16th to the 22nd of July with different flap settings and engine thrust levels, including reverse thrust. The aircraft, fitted with Pratt & Whitney PW1400G engines, travelled through a pool of water 70 metres in length and 20 metres wide. Urquhart says the test demonstrated the MC-21 was capable and able to carry out safe movement on a wet runway at a wide range of speeds without any failure. The aircraft also remains stable and under control, which is always a good thing to have as well. So obviously Matt's showing the video on there of, uh, of these water ingestion tests. Now, I'll put it to Nick, because obviously Nick is uh, our resident uh, Airbus, uh, albeit retired Airbus captain. So Nick, do you not think this is a little bit 321-ish? It does look that way, doesn't it? It looks like it's got a kind of a, a 350 nose or perhaps a 7.8 nose. 
Uh, um, but yeah, they're, they're getting very generic these aircraft, don't you think? But uh, despite that, fascinating uh, period uh, in an aircraft's development when they have to undergo all these tests, uh, you know, high temperature, low temperature, actual tests, flying them to airports all around the world where they can uh, investigate the capabilities of the machine. And this is just one of many. And really what they're looking at is... Uh, does the water sprayed up by the nose wheel go into the engines? And if it does, can, is it a sufficient quantity to put the engines out? Uh, it's quite possible to flame out an engine because uh, of massive water ingestion. Uh, does the water from the main wheels uh, smash the flaps around and damage them? All, all that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. So uh, it's a very, very interesting test. And there are plenty of videos of uh, it, going back, say, to the first one I remember seeing was the 777. Uh, and it's very impressive to see a huge airplane like that go through these particular trials. Uh, very good. I, I, like, mean, I like seeing them. Me and John, uh, Nick, were speaking last night, um, and we both agreed that this M321, I don't know if it's the camera angle or the way the, the video is taken, but do you think this aircraft has got huge flight deck windows? Uh, it's nice. It all depends upon, uh, you know, the view from where you're sitting. Uh, you know, you need to be able to see a bit. Uh, but uh, it does. They look almost out of proportion with the aircraft. But then again, if it's not a vast aeroplane, pilots don't need little windows <laughs> just because it's a little aeroplane. They still need to be able to see out. <laughs> well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, windows on a, on a bigger aircraft obviously look smaller. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, it's good to see this, uh, this coming online as such. And um be interesting to see how good this does in the market, Nick, against... Such I, I mean, it's, it's not Airbus. a it's not a great time to be sort of trying to put you know aircraft in, you know trying to sell aircraft at the moment. I, I dare say is is a very challenging thing in the current climate. Mm. No doubt, but I I think they think they're in full production. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought if they're still doing these these kind of trials. Right. Um, so they may and they're probably in a position where they can slow things down a bit, which is much better than being a a, a factory like Boeing who are in the middle of production and effectively yeah. or airbus come to that effectively you've got to stop and uh perhaps lay off your employees mm. for them it might be a little pardon me a little easier true and nick true. you've got uh, the uh, next story and uh, it's all about your favorite subject i think nick going around oh absolutely uh and i've just got to find the flight uh, global article which i opened you can tell i was ready for this so uh, it's a, a trigana 737 uh, my favorite airplane um captain dismissed go around call uh, before a hard landing uh, which <laughs> you've got to say it was that the best decision captain uh anyway an indonesian uh, or indonesian investigators determined that uh uh, Tregana Air Services Boeing 737-300 Foxtrot captain dismissed go-around suggestions during a visual approach in poor weather before a hard landing uh, that destroyed the aircraft's undercarriage and caused it to veer off the runway. So again, we're talking about uh, a landing incident. Uh, the twin jet... Uh, Papa Kilo, a Yankee Sierra Yankee, was conducting a visual approach 
to Wamina Airport's runway 15 on the 13th of September 2016, so a little while ago. And the authorities um, state that the airline's visual approach guidance for the runway stipulates that a go-around is required at 2.8 miles and 1,000 feet above the ground if the conditions do not allow a safe landing. So that kind of is part of the uh, stabilized approach criteria that I mentioned earlier. Uh, visibility at the time was around three kilometers, so not good, whereas the approach criteria demanded 4.8 kilometers and a cloud ceiling of uh, 1,000 feet. Cockpit discussions show that the pilots were uncertain about whether they could see certain visual reference points. Well, it shouldn't really be uncertain about that. They're pretty well defined as to what you need to be able to see to continue uh, and land. Um, this indicated that the weather was not suitable for approach under visual flight rules, says the inquiry. The aircraft did not abort the approach. That's a dreadful word. They should say the aircraft did not go around at 1,000 feet, but continued to descend to around 400 feet. So he blew through. He blew through his 1,000-foot um, decision point, continued down another 600 feet, uh, at which point, the descent was temporarily halted for 21 seconds. So he leveled off at only 400 feet above the ground, not really being able to commit himself to a landing because he couldn't see what was going on. Uh, investigators said that the pilots had not seen the runway, but the captain who was flying did not accept the first officer's call for a go-around. Now, that's a bit of a no-no. You've got to treat your crew with the respect uh, they deserve. It's all part of this wonderful system we have on the flight deck called CRM, where we listen to everyone on the flight deck, regardless of their seniority. And certainly in my outfit uh, in the old days, um, if someone on the flight deck, it didn't matter whether it was the spare pilot on the jump seat, shouted, go around. We went around. Whoever was flying the airplane went around because you do not want to mess about in that kind of a situation and go through a question and answer session. If somebody saw something that wasn't right, you go around and you talk about it later. You should always have fuel for a go around or two. Um, so there's really no discussion. But this captain decided to continue. The inquiry found out that a preceding aircraft had successfully landed. Yes, that always puts a little bit of pressure on you. But the guy behind you is relying on you to make a good decision. And if you don't decide to go around and have a bit of a problem, the guy behind you might have a worse problem. So you've got to have that in your head. If I don't go around uh, and just get away with it, the guy behind me might pile in. So, mm. you know, let's be sensible out there, this guy's. Um, the flight data information showed the captain eventually saw the runway and increased the aircraft's rate of descent. So obviously he leveled off for quite a while. And when he eventually caught sight of the runway environment, he was probably way high for his uh, approach. And he pitched the nose down to about 11 degrees. I'm going, whoa, <laughs> the normal uh, attitude is three degrees. Okay? Wow. Uh, well, I don't know about 737. They may be talking about the nose attitude. Okay, so right. oh, I don't know. On my airplane, we flew slightly nose up. So we were uh, level or, or slightly positive, and he reduced the nose considerably. So I'm not sure of his nose position or his uh, flight, his glide slope. And he rolled 28 degrees to the right, reaching a descent 
rate of 3,200 feet a minute. Well, he was only starting at 400 feet, building up that kind of descent rate. There's no way you're going to stop that in time to have a major impact. Um, the GPWS quite correctly shouted at him, sink rate, sink rate, oh, warning him of what was about to happen. Uh, and still descending at 2,300 300 feet a minute, it touched down at what looks like about the right approach speed, 137 knots, about 125 meters after the threshold. So he was at about the landing point, but to achieve that, he dove the airplane <laughs> down uh, upon it, a bit like a Stuka, I suspect. Um, the impact uh, reached 3.25 Gs, uh, three and a quarter times the force of gravity, causing both main landing gear assemblies to collapse and the left one to break off completely. Well, I'm not entirely surprised. The engines and the fuselage contacted the runway and the aircraft veered to the right, stopping uh, just um, uh, nearly 2,000 metres from the threshold. Um, so, well, thank heavens the airplane's fairly sturdy. It didn't break up completely. Uh, it was badly damaged. None of the three occupants, the two pilots and the loadmaster, was injured. So thank the Lord they didn't have any passengers. There'd be people with some very sore backs. Investigators have attributed the accident to the pilot's confidence that a safe landing could be achieved, disregarding several conditions which required a go-round. That sounds pretty... Um, Damning. <laughs> Late, if you ask me. I, I think they could have used slightly stronger language, but oh, okay. they tend not to in these reports. <laughs> um, the crew had a high experience grading, gradient. We've talked about this, I'm sure. Um, when you've got a very senior uh, captain or there is uh, that social gradient that occurs in some countries between authority, um, it is more likely that the first officer won't speak up. Uh, and countermand uh, what uh, an experienced captain appears to be doing. Uh, and you should try and level that gradient. If you're a good captain, you level that gradient so that everyone on the flight deck feels that they can contribute and try and prevent incidents like this happening uh, because uh, no one wants to be a captain with 28, sorry, 23,800 hours against the first of 650, and it may be a chance he, the captain won't fly one more hour. Um, because, uh, you know, he just made such an awful um, error. Uh, so if you're that first of 650 hours, it doesn't matter what your experience level is. If you see something that is uh, definitely wrong, you can see it and feel it in your bones that what's happening is wrong, you have got to speak out. You've got to speak out firmly. Very sad actually, thing. Yeah. I was going to say, Trigana have been in the news as well recently again. Uh, a 737-300 performing a freight flight on the 27th of July this year performed an entirely unstabilised approach to Waimena's runway 15, rolling right and then left. The aircraft continued on the approach to a touchdown with the left wing blow causing the wing tip and flaps to contact the runway surface. Indonesian authorities have opened an investigation into this yeah. And uh, Matt, uh, I think you've got a video. I have. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, now, first thing, Neville. Neville, uh, what's wrong with that video? Uh, I mean, it, uh, vertical, but we'll just close over. Please. Exactly right. <laughs> Neville, have a word with that bloke. He'll be furious. <laughs> yeah, it all looks reasonable up to this point, doesn't it? I mean, you can hear the, the guys battling the fossils. Uh, 
Uh, now, somebody's shouting at him, the guy holding the camera, to go around already. He can see what's happening. Apparently, the crew can't. Um, it's not very clear, but uh, he had a, he was desperately S-turning to get onto the center line, and he overcooked it. And he had, at the point of touchdown, he had his left wing way low. So uh, he impacted his wing on the ground. It could have been absolutely bloody disastrous. Uh, but he got away with some uh, flap and wing damage. But um, if uh, I was in that airline, I would be looking very, very sharply at my training department, saying we ha might have a cultural problem in this airline and we need to sharpen up our training procedures just to completely kill these, this problem uh, with... Uh, people recognizing when they have a poor approach and that they need to go around and set it up better next time. Indeed. Uh, Actually, I think we should... Of, yeah, I can say... What, yeah, I was going to say one of the comments on... Uh, <laughs> on uh, this is quite good. Actually, Matt, Matt read this comment because this, is, this uh, it says, will come so, great on, for you. On the one hand, it's really awesome to have so, uh, so many events covered by video. We wouldn't be able to analyse incidents, accidents without people pointing smartphones at anything that moves. On the other hand, uh, one... I really want to tell many people, please hold the phone horizontally. Uh, <laughs> we know how grass, tarmac and clouds actually look like. Good point. Uh, good point. Well, made. Uh, well, this is all the, the failure of various platforms like TikTok. Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. That uh, recommend a vertical format. We don't like that. No, we don't. No, absolutely not. <laughs> we do so like moving on. <laughs> to story number seven and uh, matt you've uh, you've got a story all about whiz indeed yes absolutely uh sorry i pressed the wrong button so just <laughs> well, this you one is on the i can't uh, believe it oh, no, How did that I, happen? I accidentally closed the show Never notes everyone yeah, as, anyway gl glossing over that and move over just like john's furious uh newsabc.net <laughs> is the is the website and the headline is ryanair as not ryanair at all <laughs> whiz air <laughs> whiz air hungry receives easa aoc austrian aviation net <laughs> So, uh, the European Authority, stop laughing, you lot, it's not helpful. Uh, the, European, the European Authority issued such a document for the, for the very first time. However, supervision of the OL remains in Hungary. Uh, the low-cost airline Wizz Air Hungary will be the first airline in Europe to receive an air operator certificate from the European Aviation Safety Agency from the 1st of August 2020. Uh, in 2018, uh, the possibility was introduced for airlines operating in several EU countries to apply for an EASA AOC. The legal basis is regulated in Regulation 2018-1139, if anybody wants to go and Google it. Uh, the uh, advantage for the airlines is that EASA will be responsible for safety oversight and certification across Europe in the future. A few weeks ago, it became known, as, it became known that, that Lufthansa will also be checking under ESAA's supervision in the future. We are very happy to have such a young and dynamic airline as the first aircraft operator under EASA supervision. Matt, Matt feel Iasa. free to say EASA. EASA, my apologies. EASA. Okay, you're welcome. Okay. It'll save a lot of time. <laughs> Everyone know what you're talking Iasa. about. Okay, fair enough. Sorry. Uh, the, uh, did I mention I know nothing about aviation? I don't know if that came up <laughs> yeah, at all. That's all right. No yeah. <laughs> the EU operating certificate is well suited for airlines such as Wizz Air, which have several operating bases in different EASA member states. As the central 
specialised uh, competent authority for the operation of Wizz Air. Uh, EASA will ensure an internationally recognised high standard of airline oversight, said EASA CEO Patrick Kai. Wizz Air states that it will continue to fly under the Hungarian flag and that the Hungarian Civil Aviation Authority will continue to exercise control over the operating licence and route permits. Uh, EASA oversight enables the air the airline to uh, improve cooperation with national civil aviation authorities in their current and future markets. I'm pleased to announce that Hungary is the first member state to renew uh, European airline rules, while Wizz Air Hungary is the first airline to have AOC overseen by EASA as the European authority responsible. This groundbreaking regulatory model between the Hungarian and European authorities underpins Wizz Air's growth ambitions and offers many new opportunities to innovate the industry as in the last 16 years. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, in some respects, it, ma- it makes a lot of sense, actually, doesn't it, um, to have sort of EU member states um, sort of operating under the same governing body. I mean, that does, to me, certainly seems to make uh, reasonable sense. Uh, obviously, it doesn't apply to us Brits. Um, has everybody got a drink in hand? Because I was going to say the word Brexit. Uh, <laughs> I do. Yeah, excellent. No. Cheers, Nick. I'll leave Here's you to... Here's the Brexit. Yeah, cheers, cheers, mate. <laughs> cheers, everyone. Yes, it's been a long time since we've been able to use that word, isn't it? Do you remember the simpler times when... <laughs> when well, all we've been diverted a bit, but yeah. sadly it's still happening. Well, yes, that that is the rumour, yes. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, in lots of ways, this does, I mean, uh, I I presume, uh, Nick, you would agree. I mean, this this, this seems to make sense. I don't know. It's all admin stuff. And I was at the pointy (laughs) end. And and quite honestly, um, we didn't worry too much about it. But, uh, yeah, occasionally we would fall foul of this. But this was something that, uh, for the average airline pilot, was dealt with up at the offices. So. uh, not not really a major problem, but if it you know if it oils the wheels and gives you more <laughs> freedoms and rights, then uh, you know that's brilliant. Well, there is that. That is true. That is true. <laughs> okay. So Nick, you're uh, you've got the last story, and you're going to take us up. Oh, to thank Super God Sonic for that. Speeds. The last story, marvelous. <laughs> um, all right, this is uh, thanks for your support, Nick. Always appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> This is from Sky News, uh, simpleflying.com, no such thing, uh, and uh, ainonline.com. So thanks very much for those companies. There uh, been many stories this week regarding the development of supersonic passenger aircraft. Hands up all those who have been supersonic. Oh, have you? All right, okay, fair enough. Yeah, just, just, um, just you then. Virgin <laughs> Galactic has revealed designs for a supersonic passenger plane capable of flying three times the speed of sound. Now, that's pretty good, because you think of uh, the Blackbird, uh, the SR-71, that's kind of the speed it went. Uh, so we're talking pretty impressive. Uh, the top speed around 2,300 miles an hour could fly from London to Sydney in just five hours. I suspect it might run out of fuel, but I don't know. Or up to New York, to New York in less than two which I have to say is quite impressive. Uh, Virgin has teamed up with engine maker Rolls Royce, if they're still in business, uh, to work on the concept, which is still in the early stages. Delta Wing, well, I can't imagine it'd be 
and everything else, uh, would cruise above 60,000 feet, far higher than the current passenger planes. Well, this is like old hat. This is what Concorde did. But would only have room for 9 to 19 passengers. I'm trying to work out why it would have a variable of 10 in there. But uh, there you go. I guess it's the size they're going to build it. The project is separate from Virgin's bid to send customers to the edge of space. Blah. Um, Now, that's the first one. So the competitors are Boom Supersonic, also teaming up with Rolls-Royce, getting in on this. Uh, They're a Denver-based startup, and they plan to build a very slow Mach 2.2 Supersonic passenger aircraft called Overture, Mm, marvellous, able to fly 8,300 kilometres. Passenger flights are slated to begin in 2025. That's a little optimistic, I reckon, but there you go. Uh, Boom Supersonic is deepening its relationship with the engine maker. The two businesses have previously collaborated. Uh, That will step up as Boom goes shopping for engines. Uh, We share a strong interest in supersonic flight and in sustainability strategies. Oh, I love banishments (laughs) to speak. For aviation with Boom, said Simon Carlyle, Director of Strategy at Roller. Um, Unlike the fuel-guzzling and decidedly non-environmentally friendly Concorde, that's a bit rude, it was the first, uh, and it did it. You haven't even built one yet. <laughs> Overture plans to leave a smaller footprint in its wake. And I think that's the classic, that's the thing about all these airplanes. Uh, when you get one overhead, you don't want it to blow all your windows in. So that's what they're relying on, that it has an acceptably low sonic boom. Um, so both supersonic, uh, boom, sorry, boom supersonic and Rolls-Royce are humming the material the mantra of sustainability i don't know how that goes can someone hum the mantra in the background please uh mantra of sustainability innovation and zero net carbon futures okay fair enough that's a way to kind of make the fact that you've only got like 30 people traveling uh twice the speed of sound uh, in a few hours no one else can afford it uh, and they're going to claim this uh, sustainable um, but there you go um, and now, Russia, uh, not to be left out, they do have a good history of building supersonic airplanes. Of oh, course, their Concorde ski wasn't. TU-144, if I'm not mistaken, uh, had a disastrous uh, start and mm. uh, had a very short life. Uh, and it was an entirely horrible airplane. Um, <laughs> however, they build a lot of jet fighters that are very capable. So we know they're pretty smart when it, if they want to be. Um, Russia's Ministry for Industry and Trade is moving forward on a number of fronts to develop civilian supersonic jets, including opening a tender, soliciting... Are they allowed to do that? Uh, <laughs> soliciting technolog- technological innovation proposals. And uh, the ministry is allocating the initial 230 million rubles that's the equivalent of 15 pounds. Oh, I'm sorry, no, um, 2.5 million US dollars in 2020 and even more in 2021 for the tender. So they're also interested in getting into this market. But I suspect, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see whether they do it. And lastly, the United States Air Force. Not what to be left hell? out, obviously. Haven't they got <laughs> enough supersonic airplanes? For heaven's sake, they've got airfields full of them. But they want. <laughs> to build another one. Want more. Called, uh, 
Hermias. Anyone look up Hermias? Yeah, I bet he was a Greek god. <laughs> uh, a Georgia-based startup has picked up a $1.5 million contract. That's not a lot of money. Uh, from the uh, United States Air Force to work on a hypersonic aircraft. Uh, well, if you're going to build a hypersonic aircraft, you're going to need considerably more than that. Let's try one and a half billion. That's going to be closer. Uh, the USAF reckons there's potentially room for this type of aircraft in its VIP fleet. Well, I wonder who thought of that. Mm-hmm. Big question. Mark. Uh-huh. Uh, the firm will <laughs> team up with the Air Force's presidential... Oh, is that a clue? <laughs> No, no, absolutely not. And nothing, nothing, nothing that can get us sued, please, Nick, moving on. Uh, <laughs> executive Airlift Directorate, which is based at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. Hermia says the money is to fund a rapid assessment of modifications to Hermia's Mach 5 aircraft. The aircraft will support the presidential and executive airlift fleet. Well, that'll be something to see. Quite. Quite. I mean, they're, they're great-looking aircraft, though, aren't they? I mean, it's... Well, who wouldn't want a private jet or, you know, like, take yourself, your family and a few mates for a few beers over to New York if it only takes you, like, two hours to get there? Yeah, or, uh, or, may, or maybe, if you know, if we're talking uh, United States, perhaps somebody wants to go and visit his golf course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could get to a lot of golf courses <laughs> yeah, in, in no uh, time yeah, and uh, you could probably play like three rounds at three corners of the country all in one day. So yeah, wow. that would... you could go and get your new camera even quicker, Nick. <laughs> I could, couldn't I? I could pop across to B and H and be back Everyone's again in time shot. for lunch. Indeed. Yeah. Oh dear. Now, yeah. You need to go and get your wife, sir, for the oh, next bit. I shall uh, just go and do. Who that are right we talking now. to? Uh, with uh, Carlos. Uh, well, uh, well, uh, 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 Jilly is more than I can welcome. Get my to wife, it. if you like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can get a couple it, of dogs if well, you want. The, the very exciting thing is it is competition winner time. So we are going to right, hopefully okay. draw um, if this goes according to plan. Probably not. Uh, and what we're going to try and do is uh, read out the winning entry or play it, depending on what form it is. So the, the reason why Fair I'm enough. a bit scared is because I've essentially got to load whichever one it is into the playout system. In time well, to... <laughs> when when has one of your shows ever gone to plan? <laughs> Our producer despite, is furious with you. Despite John's best efforts. Yeah, absolutely. Try, very trying, I think, is the word. Very, very trying. It's all disco ready, says Richard. <laughs> says Richard Adams. Thanks for that. Uh, yes, so it's... Uh, oh, uh, uh, Air Commander is saying any news on your 777 window, by the way. Uh, I'm sure Carlos will show it to you. It is has arrived. Oh, he's, he's shown us yeah, several no, times. He's a bit proud of it, let's be honest. Yeah, uh, I'll pop it on the screen. Oh, oh, so oh, really? Uh, okay. There we go. There you go, look. There we go. Yeah, so all, that's, all that's... blurry and out of focus. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> What's all the junk on the right-hand side? Have they left the cabin attendant's <laughs> telephone system connected? No, that's all. That's that's, that's the air show land, land yards, I should say, on, on there. Oh, is that <laughs> but actually, the LEDs okay. were Gemma's idea, to be fair. Oh, I thought that was the sky r- roaring by. In, in, <laughs> Something in, like in, in her own words, it, it's turned. It's turned. In her own words, it turned a a, um, a piece of two hundred and something off piece of scrap into a piece of artwork. Right, I quite okay. agree. It looks a lot better. <laughs> That'll make all the difference. Some light. So um, I'm still amazed that your wife hasn't divorced you. I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. Indeed. Uh, okay. S- 
Yeah, Carlos, if you just want to explain the competition very quickly before we draw it and, so and what, we, what happened. So the competition then that uh, we had uh, was obviously to send in uh, some feedback to the show, kind of uh, a aviation in your life and kind of getting to know you sort of thing. It was a, an opportunity for us to find out more about you as a listener and also to hear some of your stories about your your aviation that's appeared in your life over the years and we've had we've had some really really good entries in actually to um to the show haven't we guys absolutely yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and um i've got all the names here in okay all in all in here well, everyone's name <laughs> no 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 there's there's more than there's more than three oh, wow there's more than three well yeah. done okay so come on let's get this in a hat and let's get this done let's right, find I'll, get, I'll put, put these in a hat Okie dokie. So Gemma's now going to come in and draw these because she's been itching to do this all Aww. night. She, she misses us being in her kitchen, doesn't she? <laughs> uh, you can get a cream for that. You hold know. on, I shall, I shall just... Uh, if I, put, if I put, this, put this camera on. Here we go. There we go. Oh. Right, so we'll, we'll put the hat here. Oh, okay. So there's, there's the bits, there's the paper there's, in there. There's and, Gemma's and hand, look very exciting. Gemma's hand. Yeah. She's, she's in her gardening attire, so right, she's, okay. uh, <laughs> she's, she's not... Uh, here we go. Oh, here she's, we go. She's having, she's having a, a bit of a mix round. Look, here we go. There we go. She's having a mix round. Of all no, the no, names. not that one, Gemma. No, the other <laughs> one. It's a bit to the left. So, we, we, we've got one. Okay. okay. Right. And uh, I'm just going to un unravel it here. Okay. Let's have a look. Go back to your camera if you wouldn't mind, oh, please. Oh, sorry. Pa apologies. Hold on. Let me just move <laughs> that back to. He's good at this, ladies to, and gentlemen. Back to my there camera. We go. There we right, go. Okay. Right. So. Oh, hang on a minute. There was a lack of continuity there. How do we know that's still the same one? Oh, thanks, Nick. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so I can confirm. Matt, would you like to announce our winner? Uh, Andrew van der Sarg. Oh, not a cloggy. <laughs> oh, no. They're always winning things. <laughs> oh, no, stop it. Uh, now, this is... Uh, <laughs> behave. Now... Yeah, so this is a this is a read. So who's gonna who's gonna do the honours and do the read? Ooh. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, okay. So congratulations, congratulations, uh, Andrew Van der Sarg. Okay, uh, I'm just trying. Oh, I'm sorry, I've, I've lost all communication. Sorry, I I can't hear anything. Uh, right, uh, I'm just trying to get uh, it open on the machine here, and it's not it's not working. Can uh, so yes, so he has won a 150 pound. Plain Reclaimers voucher, uh, which can be used on their online store. So it's a £150 voucher uh, that can be uh, used on the Plain Reclaimers store. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a very, very cool prize. Uh, and you I can, wanted a bit of a 737 so I could <laughs> burn it. I'm only joking. Of course you did. Yeah. I really wanted... I really wanted uh, Something nice. Absolutely. Well, well, yes. You can always rely on Nick for something to uh, to, to to spoil the fun there. Uh, right. Uh, how, have you? How are you getting on, Carlos? Have you got into the folder, or or, or do I need to do it from here? Uh, I'm just trying to access the folder now as we speak. Okay. Um, good. <laughs> I, I couldn't couldn't see it. Couldn't see it in emails. So I'm going to go to yeah. Uh, no, go it's, to the yeah. There's a there's a folder that's got, yeah, got the all. I'm going to yeah. 
Yeah, this is going really smoothly. Has anybody noticed how we didn't rehearse this? Yeah. <laughs> That's not a lot of good in there. That'll be like reading it from a postage stamp. <laughs> no, it's um, not. Right. Well, is it always like this? No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> we, we it is. <laughs> Come on, I've listened to a few of these. Oh, that, how very you rude. You can't fool me. <laughs> Oh dear. Okay, never mind. Here we go. Got oh, it. Oh, he's right. got it. Has he? Okay. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Go on then. Right. Andrew so our winning Vandes- entry is <laughs> Andrew Van der Sar. Congratulations. So this is Andrew's uh, my aviation story. As he knocks the camera off the end of his microphone. Stand. Good. That sounds expensive. Yes. <laughs> so he says, my love for aviation and travel began as a young kid. At the time, my family weren't able to afford travel overseas as it was quite expensive. And I clearly remember the many occasions of going to the airport to pick up friends and relatives arriving from overseas. And how awestruck I was by the idea of getting on a plane to exotic and faraway places. I was enamoured seeing all the people walking around with big suitcases and remember feeling a really strong desire to travel like them. My dream to travel came true when I was 10 and my parents booked a family holiday for my brother and I to the US to visit Disneyland. We flew on a Qantas Boeing 747-400 from Sydney to Los Angeles. It was just so exciting getting on board this huge aircraft and experiencing travel for the first time, looking out at the views from the window. Having food and drinks served to me and watching movies. In those days, it was on drop-down screens every few metres. Oh, yes, I remember those, yeah. It was everything I dreamed of and more. The flight was incredible. I also got to experience the joys of traveling to a country very different from my own, eating different kinds of food and learning about the culture and history. The first overseas trip really cemented my love for aviation and travel and led me on to have many incredible travel experiences as an adult. There we go. Thank That's you, a Andrew. Piece, absolutely. And this well, is that what... is brilliant, and I take it all back. He's an Australian, not a, uh, a <laughs> Oh, is he? Okay. <laughs> so you can take your finger out of the dike. Right, uh, lovely. Okay, I'm not sure what um, to do with that information. Uh, okay, so you don't need to do that in Australia, just in Holland. Good, lovely. Uh, anyway, uh, actually, I'm gonna, I have to say, because we, we, we've, we've had several entries, uh, and we're going to make sure that all of them get played out, but I've, ju- I've got to yeah. read this one while you're here, actually, Nick, uh, because we one of the entries that we had was from a chap by the name of Gary. Gavin Dobson, and his email, his email said, "Hi guys, I was going to write a long screed about how the, the you know how the day you stop looking up when you hear an aeroplane is the day you bang down the coffin lid, uh, but that's a bit depressing. So here's what my kids say of me: Hello, Gavin, and welcome to the chase. And what do you do? I'm a pilot," says Bradley. Uh, "And what do you do in your spare time?" He says, uh, "I tell you," <laughs> he says, "I tell people I'm a pilot, Bradley." Uh, <laughs> Boom, boom. Keep up the good work. Gav Dobson, ex-Virgin, 747s. So there we are. It's uh... Ah, isn't that brilliant? That's <laughs> fantastic. As I say, that, that, that I think actually ironically ended up Very being good. one of my, my favourite of them just because of the simplicity. It's like uh, Bradley, obviously, they're referring to, if, you don't, if you're not in the UK, they're talking about a programme called, a TV programme called the, the Chase, and Bradley Walsh is the host of that. That's why he's saying I'm a pilot, Bradley. Anyway, that was a lot of fun. Uh, shall we yeah. move on then to the next part of today's show is where we welcome the legend that is Captain Al, and it's time for this week's Plane truth which is all about airplane mode hello 
and welcome to another Plane Truths, and today we're going to be talking about airplane mode. Joining me today, as always, it's the legend that is Captain Al. Hi, Captain Al. Hi, Matt, and I presume this isn't any reference to any sort of 1980s film. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it can be if you like. Uh, we can go, we can fall down that wormhole anytime you like, my friend. <laughs> can I have a vector, Victor? Roger, over. Uh, a fam- okay. fa- family show, ladies and gentlemen, family show. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, obviously, I mean, whenever we get on board, uh, the first thing that happens is we are told to put our phones uh, into airplane mode for when we are in the yeah. And the reason why I suppose I've got lots of questions about this, obviously, is because a lot of the onboard uh, in-flight entertainment systems and stuff, some of those now require you to turn on your Wi-Fi in order for you to be able to use your iPad or, or your phone. Uh, like you know, in the uh, in the cockpit to watch films that are not in the cockpit. You wouldn't be in the cockpit. Why would you be in the cockpit? You'd be in the cabin. Uh, so what what is this airplane mode thing all about, and why was it originally brought in? Okay, so the first thing to acknowledge is that your mobile phone is a transmitting and receiving device. So when you are connected to a network, it is permanently talking to the the cells, the network, and saying, I'm here, hello. It's called handshaking, I believe. Now, once the phone is in contact with the network and we're not using it, and we'll talk a little bit about data shortly, the phone goes into kind of like a low power mode. It goes into battery preservation. When you lose connection, so when you lose your bars, the phone ups its transmission level to try and find a cell. So it starts transmitting at a higher power to see if it can find a cell. And then if it makes contact, it will then renegotiate at what sort of power level it's going to communicate at. So, That is our problem because as we sort of move around in the aeroplanes when we take off, bearing in mind that mobile networks for telephones weren't designed for operation at 37,000 feet. They're a ground-based thing. So as we climb up, mobile phones are starting to lose reception. So they start to increase the power that they transmit at. So... Logically, you wouldn't really want to have two or three hundred transmitters in an aeroplane that may interfere with the navigation system, the autopilot system, or indeed the pilot communication system. So that's the main reason that we get you to put your your phone into airplane mode, is to stop your phone transmitting. Now, what happens if it does? Well, the first thing that you need to know is it's not a disaster. Most modern aircraft are reasonably resilient to external interference. But, Matt, have you ever put your phone next to a loudspeaker and hear it go... Okay, yeah. So that is the 2G network communicating with the cell. So we have various levels of technology these days. We have uh, 2G, uh, we have 3G, 4G, and 5G. Now, predominantly, the 2G is the one that causes that kind of interference. We don't get so much of that these days because most mobile phone communications these days are using the other frequencies associated with uh, 3G, 4G, 5G. However... 
they still cause interference. So just because we can't hear it doesn't necessarily mean it's not there. So you wouldn't really want your aeroplane's navigation system to be disturbed by mobile phones, I'm sure. So we get you to put it into airplane mode. If you're flying with a swanky airline that has a Wi-Fi network, we appreciate that your Wi-Fi capability of your phone is also a transmitter, but it's at a very low power and it's also at a constant power. So it's not continuously ramping up its power to try to make a connection. Same with Bluetooth, that's also a transmitter, but at very low power. Now, you may have at some point been asked to turn your phone off in flight. Is that something you've ever encountered? Yeah, I mean, I must admit, not so much now, but if, I, you, know, if you go back sort of perhaps 10 years, uh, ago perhaps when uh, things like airplane mode weren't available I, you know a lot of that I think okay. was uh, you know instructions were to turn it off because they didn't know any different perhaps okay so well yeah that's a fair point but there are still occasions where the cabin crew will make an announcement that says that you are required to turn your phone off and that is if we are doing an automatic landing in poor weather because oh. The uh, regulator, EASA in Europe, stipulates that passenger mobile phones should be turned off to prevent any possibility of interference at a critical stage of flight. And I think anybody would agree that the aeroplane performing an automatic landing in visibility of less than 50 metres uh, would be critical phase of flight. <laughs> yes, certainly. <laughs> And there have been the odd occasion where uh, autopilots have been electronically interfered with, um, and it's obviously difficult to narrow it down to a passenger mobile phone, but quite clearly having them turned off uh, mitigates that threat. Wow. Uh, so, so basically, if, they, if, 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 if the cabin crew tell you, tell you to turn off your mobile phone, um, then there's probably a jolly good reason, in which case you really should do it. <laughs> Yes. Uh, I mean, it's like everything else. There will always be some people who will break the rules, uh, but the majority of people will do it. The cabin crew will typically make that announcement before the seatbelt signs go on, uh, because we usually have a pretty good idea that we're going to encounter foggy conditions. And it's, again, just for the safety of the aircraft and its occupants. No big deal. Nobody has to make a telephone call at that point. <laughs> and it can certainly wait. I'm sure there are many people who would strongly disagree with that, where they're convinced that their WhatsApp is life or death. Uh, but <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Captain Al, as always. There you go. Who would have thought it? It's as I say, I, because I, you hear because um, some some flights and things they do allow you to sort of like you know uh, like connect to Wi-Fi and all that kind of thing. And I didn't, I I genuinely all the tech that I knew, I didn't, I genuinely didn't realise that they actually um, like when they can't find a network, their the signal strength goes up and up and up as it's trying to look for a tower. So I mean that, that it sort of makes sense really that the risk of of interfering with with the technology is, is genuinely a possibility. Oh, for sure. And um, the fact that the cell phone networks themselves hate having hundreds of people 
belting around trying to switch from one cell to the next. They find that very frustrating. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Right. Okay. Well, it's time then to move on to. We've got no Armando, but at least we do have somebody who does vaguely know a little bit about uh, the military. So uh, if uh, everybody is ready, I shall press the button. <laughs> quickly speed through these because Nick's on the uh, wine. So this uh, story is on CBS News and uh, US astronauts Robert Bernken and Douglas Hurley who flew the International Space Station in SpaceX's new Crew Dragon splashed down in the capsule in the Gulf of Mexico on Sunday after a two-month voyage that was NASA's first crewed mission from home soil in nine years. Benken and Hurley left the station on Saturday and returned home to land in the waves off Florida's Pensacola coast and a schedule at 2.48 p.m. Eastern Time, following a 21-hour overnight journey aboard Crew Dragon Endeavour. The successful splashdown, the first of its kind by NASA in 45 years, was a final key test of whether Elon Musk's spacecraft can transport astronauts to and from orbit, a feat no private company has ever accomplished before. On behalf of SpaceX and NASA's teams, uh, welcome back to planet Earth, they said. Thanks for flying SpaceX, uh, said SpaceX Mission Control, said as upon the splashdown. Uh, spectators in private boats surrounded the splashdown site dozens of miles from shore as SpaceX and NASA recovery teams used a crane to hoist the spacecraft out of the water and onto a boat. He said that thanks for doing the most difficult parts and the most important parts of human spaceflight. Getting us into orbit and bringing us home, Duncan said, SpaceX Mission Control in Hawthorne, California, as the hatch door was opened. So he said, I'm just proud to be a small part of this whole effort to get a company and people to and from the space station, Hurley said, giving a thumbs up as he was wheeled out of the spacecraft on a stretcher, a normal procedure as astronauts adjust to Earth's gravity. And uh, for the return sequence on board, thrusters had two sets of parachutes that worked autonomously to slow the acorn-shaped capsule, bringing Benken and Hurley's speed of 17,500 miles an hour, blimey, it's a bit faster than my truck, in orbit <laughs> down to 350 miles an hour upon atmospheric re-entry, and eventually 15 miles per hour at splashdown. Oh, that's better. During the re-entry to Earth's atmosphere, the capsule's added shell withstood temperatures higher than three and a half thousand Fahrenheit. While Duncan and Hurley were wearing SpaceX's white suits strapped inside the cabin, experienced just 85 degrees Fahrenheit. The pair were due to undergo medical checks onshore at Pensacola ahead of a flight to NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. There we go. A bit of space news. What a fabulous achievement. There are a few things to say about this. First of all, I just love SpaceX's enthusiasm. You see their employees when they're accomplishing something like this. They are just beside themselves with joy at the fact that they're 
getting uh, their country and the world back into space again in, uh, you know, in an independent company, albeit uh, with uh, NASA's assistance. I think it's fantastic. But we've all seen the boosters and their ability to land back autonomously on their landing pads and therefore be reused. I think that is fantastic. I can't wait for the day when SpaceX start doing that with their capsules because that will like be, you know, it'll be like every sci-fi dream I've ever had, uh, watching one of these capsules come back and uh, land itself uh, under control uh, on planet Earth rather than having to rely on rather ancient technology of parachutes. But I just take my hat off to these guys. I think they're fantastic. Well, and also, I mean, it's again, it's all about sustainability, isn't it, at the moment? It, you know, it, the, the, less, the less of the aircraft that you have to throw away, I suppose, with each mission, the more, the, the more chance you have of it being much more affordable for everyone as well. Oh, oh very true, yeah. I, and I think we all have to agree with that. But if there's one thing I'm going to say, uh, can you get someone to do look at the design of your spaceships god they look <laughs> naff they look like someone oh, who's i quite just, like the new ones they look like someone who's suiting up to go into the sewers right, i mean right, they're okay. just horrible <laughs> they're, they're great big willy boots on them and all that stuff oh come on get something snazzy you know uh, a bit retro perhaps it looks horrible <laughs> i don't know How, what does everyone else think Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's just see. I don't know if we. I don't if I dare open that can of can of worms. Really, it's like, yeah. It's uh, yeah. So I see what. Uh, so Tanya uh, Tanya Wyman is is saying that um, essentially, uh, you know, I agree. Nick SpaceX is kicking butt. Look, there they we go. are. They're doing a yeah. damn good job. I have to say, uh, and the rest of the world must be very envious. And I think this is a fantastic collaboration between government and uh you know independent industry private industry yeah absolutely um, it's an interesting sort of step there it's um yeah i i mean i was watching it on saturday um in the bath of all places uh, as you do uh, as you do really you have yeah. a tv in the bath yeah literally splashed down waterproof. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally splashed down uh, but uh, yeah it was uh, it, 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 it was one of those once in a lifetime things wasn't it really I mean because it really was a you know a bit of a game or potentially a game changer as you say because it's sort of you know government slash um, private enterprise yeah I, I, I agree and I think it's fantastic for uh, the confidence and the enthusiasm uh, of America to re-enter the space race, Absolutely, as it were, yeah. uh, and, you know, to to get themselves back on a footing where they can uh, feed their own people into yeah. uh, the International Space Station. Uh, without having to rely on just one country. And actually, I mean, uh, kudos as well to the, the people that were running, because obviously it was all done by NASA, and because it was all streamed on uh, YouTube. Uh, so gone are the days now where you require, like, a TV channel to basically take the coverage and all that kind of thing, you know, and in the hope that there might be enough interest, um, you know, for people to do it. I mean, and there were millions of people watching this YouTube stream um, when, when it was all happening. I mean, it was just, you know, it, it was great. You're right, and, Matt. It takes me back to the days when Apollo were flying their missions yeah. and uh, the, 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 the lack of interest um, for the American people had got to the point where no one was watching. No, indeed. Uh, it had become very e- e- yawning you yeah. know, every day. Uh, it's not like that. And uh, people no. should really uh, acknowledge the fantastic skill of the engineers and the astronauts who take part in this sort of thing. It is really is an exciting event. Indeed. 
absolutely. It was uh, apparently it was also a, te- a bit of a test flight because I think it was the first time that uh, it had uh, passengers on board as well. So it's uh, I think it would take four or five people. I think actually the the module, but obviously it only had Bob and. Uh, up to seven, apparently, I'm being told in my ear. Well, it, was, it would only was take it Bob uh, and Doug? two or three. Bob and of, Doug, uh, was it, I, think? Yeah. I think we'd probably get the APG crew in, but right. I don't think we'd get any more <laughs> than that. Actually, on that note, SpaceX.com, if you take yourselves over to the website, there's a pretty awesome website. There's some great shots of uh, the internals and the uh, the capsule and stuff itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those guys didn't do a lot of button pushing, did they? It's not like the old days where they had a... <laughs> Proper yeah. spaceship to fly. All, yeah, all that touch. It was a bit rubbish, like an yeah. Airbus. Yeah, old. Oh, no, right. Okay. Anyway, we're <laughs> going to move on now before we get into even more trouble. And uh, the next story uh, in the military this week is from the Air Force Mag dot com, and uh, slightly sort of. Um, I don't know, a slightly nerve-wracking story, I suppose, because several of us have got very fond memories of uh, uh, Mildenhall. RAF Mildenhall UK will remain open and Yay! keep its American refueling and special operations missions through the 2020s, reversing the Pentagon's original 2015 plan to consolidate bases and infrastructure across Europe. Um, the, the Pentagon last week announced broad plans to downsize the troop presence in Germany, including keeping the 100th Air Refueling Wing and uh, 352nd Special Operations Wing at Mildenhall instead of moving them to Germany um, uh, airbase in 2022. Uh, the 2015 European Infrastructure Consolidation Plan was unpopular and long targeted for change, Defence Secretary Mark Esper said on the 5th of August. The military has debated for years whether to keep airmen at Mildenhall, the only permanent US airbase uh, air refuelling wing in Europe. Uh, it made obvious strategic sense in the wake of the National Defence Strategy, Esper said during an online Aspen Institute event. We're keeping 2,500 airmen there. Uh, He did not offer specifics on why it was strategically beneficial to remain in the United Kingdom instead of Germany. Pentagon US European Command and Air Force officials argue that stationing tankers and special operations forces in the UK will ensure the uninterrupted readiness and responsiveness um, from uh, I'm terribly sorry, the show notes jumped there and I've completely lost my place. Uh, the uh, It's uh, the, sorry, the, the 100th refuelling wings uh, tankers are constantly in demand for operations across the continent and to support aircraft deploying to the Middle East. In 2015, the 352nd Special Operations Group became the 352nd's Uh, operations wing as it brought on the CV-22s. When the Defence Department outlined its vision to consolidate unused infrastructure across Europe in 2015, officials at the time pointed out that uh, Spangdalen I'm very sorry. Spangdalen, thank you Nick, uh, has had expanded and updated its facilities. Uh, Two F-16 cross squadrons there also consolidated into one in 2010 and an A 10 Squadron left in 2015 making room for aircraft under a new mission. Moving Special Operations Forces, including CV-22s and MC-130s to Germany, would have put them closer to Army Special Forces. Officials pushed for the 100th ARW's move from 2022 to 2027 before 
before putting it on hold earlier this year. Uh, wing officials said early in the progress uh, in the process that transition plans had started, including moving some support to nearby RAF Lakenheath, uh, UK. Uh, though none of the steps were irreversible. So that's Heath and Lake. Heath and Lake, right. Yeah, yeah, you said that wrong. I don't think I did. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm joking. That's, that's, that's one of the things, as I was going to say, that's one of the few things I can get right. It's just, you know, Lake and Heath I'm good with. But, uh, yeah, there we are, honestly. It's... Uh, it's uh, there's uh, Tony S apparently in the chat room. I'm being told in my ear. Just bear with me a moment while I try and get that. Uh, good. Uh, there we go. Good news for the region. Uh, Milton Hall is a massive employer, which is a really good point, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it's that's uh, a good point. It, it is. A that's good what point, she said. Uh, quite. Uh, <laughs> It is a good employer, but uh, there we are. On to the next story then. And uh, Nick, I think that, that is with you. Uh, okay, then this is a good news story. Uh, so this is about a KC-135 crew. Uh, and for those who don't know what that is, that's uh, an ancient old aeroplane built in 1957 that has been uh, the mainstay uh, air-to-air refueling aircraft of the United States Air Force since then. And it is only just now being replaced by uh, a highly controversial and uh, in mainly speaking, unserviceable uh, Boeing um, uh, <laughs> thing. Anyway, um, it was flying uh, because uh, it was uh, asked to do so and came uh, off from the Anderson, which is a fantastic name for uh, an Air Force base in Guam. Uh, and it was part of the 203rd Air Refueling Squadron uh, of the Hawaii Hawaii National Guard. So presumably they fly with those little ropes of flowers around their necks, which I think is very quaint. And the 171st Air Refueling Wing of the Pennsylvania Air National Guard. Wow, that's fantastic. And they found three missing mariners during a search and rescue mission. And I think those three guys probably very happy that these fine folk were airborne on that day. So it was on July the, the uh, 29th, and the uh, mariners, I think we could call them sailors, or would you prefer if I use the term seamen, um, aboard a 23-foot white and blue skiff. Uh, I'm not sure what a skiff is, uh, but I'm sure John will let us know, which <laughs> departed uh, Pulawat uh, Atoll, intending to travel uh, a mere 21 miles to... Uh, uh, a light rowing boat. That's <laughs> <laughs> that is apparently what it is. John's just told us. A, I've, been t- I've been told. <laughs> so they were heading for Palup. Uh, however, they never made it and were reported missing. Da da da. Joint Rescue Subcenter Guam received the notification of an overdue skiff last seen in the vicinity of uh, Chuk and uh, requested our assistance, said uh, U.S. Air Force Major Sean Roberts. Sounds very American. Uh, The 506 Air Expeditionary Aerial Refueling Squadron, say that when you've had a bottle of wine, Um, (laughs) Assistant Director of Operations said, once notified, we began immediately working a plan to launch crews and locate the missing vessel. Uh, Long story short, almost three hours into their mission, Flying at about 1,500 feet, the crew located the mariners, I prefer seamen, on the tiny island of Picalot Yap. I just want to say that again for, <laughs> you know, the effect. Picalot Yap. 
fantastic. Uh, we were towed. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. We were toward the end of our search pattern. So they're about to go home and leave these poor mariners to die, uh, said the U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Jason, uh, well, I won't pronounce that, the uh, 135 <laughs> pilot, um, at Palmyria Yen. It sounds a bit Japanese. Well, well the, the Yen does, anyway. <laughs> um, he said, we turned to avoid some rain showers, and that's when we looked down and saw an island. So we decided to check it out in case there were naked women on it. And that's when we saw the SOS and a boat right next to it on the beach. From there, we called in the Australian Navy because they're really good and they're in Australia. Uh, and they had two helicopters nearby. Australian Navy had two helicopters nearby? <laughs> Okay, whatever. Uh, that <laughs> could what it says in the story. <laughs> and land on the island. The Australian Navy, uh, HMS Canberra, uh, was also in the region and agreed to divert and provide search sorties with embarked helicopters whilst FSS Independence departed from Yap to assist. I love this story. A helicopter crew <laughs> from Canberra uh, delivered supplies to the stranded mariners, whilst the U.S. Coast Guard, uh, HC-130 Hercules, God, they have some kit, these boys, don't they? From Air Station Barbers Point, Hawaii, airdropped radios so they could listen to the cricket score. Uh, were they, I don't know, perhaps they were listening to the baseball. Uh, and message, and a message block, uh, informing them, I do apologize, there's motion by my front door, uh, informing them of the FSS independence, uh, and its uh, intention to come and rescue them to take them home. Oh. Partnerships, said the U.S. Coast Guard, uh, Captain Christopher Chase. Um, this is what made this search and rescue case successful through coordination with multiple response organizations. We were able to save three members of our community and bring them back home to their families. Fantastic story, actually, uh, when you think about the nations involved and the coordination mm. required to um, you know, get all this sorted. Uh, and congrats to the um, the tanker crew who don't normally look out of their windows. Uh, they're renowned for that. Uh, <laughs> and the fact that they actually had their eyeballs on storks this day and spotted these boys. So, um, you know, good job. Goes to show that writing SOS in the sand does genuinely work. Uh, <laughs> well, it, it does. And I hate to say it, but I go back to my combat survival courses of 45 years ago that's exactly what we were taught to do whether it be trampling it in the snow or building it with <laughs> rocks or whatever uh, you have to attract attention and a damn great sos on a beach usually does that but the important point folks is when you leave remember to take it down uh, otherwise you'll be causing havoc for years, for years to come uh, yeah, yeah absolutely so very true and uh, uh it's conspiracy yeah conspiracy, conspiracy theories yes exactly if, if, right yeah uh, everyone was saying amelia Earhart landed there <laughs> 
Yeah, well, quite, absolutely. And uh, if uh, any of the pronunciations in tonight's story that Nick read out caused you any form of offence at all, then please send your comments to IamOffended <laughs> at APG.com. That is IamOffended oh, at APG.com. Thanks for that. Uh, and oh, that's where we... Yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> that is where we bring the military segment to a close. I'm delighted to say, apparently, we're running smack bang on time, aren't we, doing Yay! that? I Absolutely. can't believe it after my garrulous <laughs> comments. <laughs> after all your best efforts, indeed. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a thing. We've taken into account in planning, we're being told in our ear. Uh, okay, so it's time to move on to the next thing. And uh, this involves a great chat, actually, that we had. Uh, now, some of you may remember a, a certain couple of legends. I'm going to refer to them as legends because, uh, well, uh, as many of you know, the very first podcast that I ever listened to was actually produced by these guys. Uh, we haven't heard from them for a very long time. The last time we heard from Steve was probably uh, a Christmas show. I don't know how many years ago now, long old time. But uh, I basically, a couple of Saturdays ago, uh, got to sit down and have a lovely chat with the lovely people that are Grant McCarran and Steve Fisher. Hi guys, well, uh, as some of you may have noticed, I've been in charge of most of the social media uh, feeds over the last couple of weeks, and I was having a thumb through, uh, saw several conversations going on, and I stumbled across a certain chap by the name of Grant McCarran, who some of you may remember existed at one time, and um, it got me thinking, I thought, we haven't heard from him for a while, and then when I was looking, there appears to be a new project in on the horizon, so uh, I thought, let's have a chat. So, joining me right now, is well he's brought a friend with him as well which i'm even more excited about to be honest because you know we've all spoken to grant before anyway hi grant how are you <laughs> hey i'm grant mccarran and you may remember me from such podcasts as playing crazy down under the australia disc and even flying down under that's right i'm back and i'm not just alone i'm joined by the man who makes me sound good hi steve it's a wonder I get a word in Edgeway, isn't it? <laughs> no, no change there. No change there at all. Oh, that's, dear. Why, that's why he's the presenter and I'm the producer these days. <laughs> you can never get a word in yes. Edgeway. I have a similar problem, I'll be honest, but uh, the less said about that, the better. Uh, gents, it is a real pleasure. Now, uh, some of you may know that... Um, the very first podcast that I ever listened to was uh, your Avalon coverage many years ago um, on, on PDCU. So uh, it really is a pleasure to hear that uh, there's, uh, there's a new offering in, in, in the works. Yes, yes. Oh, see, yes. Grant and I don't cue off each other so well when we're looking at it. Yes, that's true. He tries not to look at me. He really does try not to look at me. Not a good look. Not a good look. Uh, Yes, there are a number of new ventures in the works, and, and, and uh, we've, we've sort of moved off into um, some other spaces. Uh, I, I sort of moved off into new, news reading a little bit, and uh, I'm doing some production work for for some uh, some radio people, which is uh, you know covering topics that are not only aviation, shock horror, but uh, yeah, Grant and I have um, we've been producing some content for some uh, aviation magazines here, and now we're moving off into doing some uh, some more. Uh, customised uh, work for, um, in this case, some defence contractors, which is really exciting. Fantastic. Yeah, that's right, mate. So, yeah, no, so well, well, tell us a bit about it. So uh, what is the podcast? What's it all about? And how do people get hold of it? Well, um, I'm going to tell you about a couple of podcasts first because what happened was um, Steve wound up 
um, as, as many of you may remember, remember back in the playing crazy down under days, the good old PCDU, um, I was chasing hot air balloons and working as an ops manager and, and maintenance manager and so on for a commercial ballooning company, like a, a small charter aviation, general aviation crew. And Steve was driving trains. And so we both had a bit of time to invest in what we were doing with playing crazy. But then I wound up uh, doing a whole lot of work with a defense contractor as a project manager in IT. And Steve wound up doing a whole lot of work with other companies. He, he became, if I remember correctly, Steve, he became a depot manager with uh, the train company, or as I called mm-hmm. you, the despot manager. And uh, <laughs> then you, you wound up... Um, <laughs> there, was, there, there were many, trust me. But, um, and, and we just lost a lot of time. We, we couldn't keep PCDU up. And, and unfortunately, it pod faded. And... Um, Aside from doing the Australia, uh, the occasional Australia desk, which was a spin-off. Uh, in fact, well, PCDU was a spin-off from the Australia desk, which was a segment yeah. we did for the airplane geeks. Mm. Um, we found ourselves having too much time and wound up doing the um, these. We were trying to put too much news into the Australia desk. We only had a small window. They didn't want us taking over the airplane geeks. So um, <laughs> we, uh, we wound up producing the um, plane crazy from that. And then uh, when plane crazy um, pod faded, we did a, the once a year or so we'd do an Ausdesk and things bubbled along like that. And then, um, Steve, you, um, uh, wound up driving for V line. Um, it's a regional, uh, maybe I should have called it, um, Acme train, but, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the, the regional trains for Victoria. And so Steve's back being a, a train driver, which has been great for his time to work on podcast production. And of course I'll, I'll let Steve tell you about all the, the fandangled goosies that he's got because, He's gone way off the deep end as a an audiophile for podcast production and audio production, which is fantastic because it's making me sound good. And uh, the two of us wound up doing uh, a show, which is uh, we just started last year. It, unfortunately, it's on hiatus at the moment due to COVID-19. Mm. Um, it's for general aviation. So as you may know, COVID-19 is um, destroying co- um, general aviation around the world in many ways. Um, so we were doing this general aviation show with Aviation Trader. So aviationtrader.com.au, it's a, uh, a buy and sell aircraft kind of magazine. It's also got some articles and things like that. It's uh, a paper one that comes out. Everyone loves the paper one. It's, you can find it all over the place here in Australia. And it's also online. And for ages, we'd been talking with the crew from there and they'd been wanting to do some work with us. It hadn't been the right time for them or for us. And finally, the stars aligned. And uh, Steve, how many episodes of that did we get out? It was, we got out a few. It was about eight, maybe 10. Uh, I think about eight, yeah. So we've, yeah. Out, we've done about eight of them. And that's been an opportunity for that magazine to, you know, go to some of their, their advertisers and, and try and market, you know, like a value add thing for them. So, um, bit of an experiment for them and a bit of an experiment for us too, but, uh, you know, into more enterprise podcasting, but, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's, it seems to be working well. And, and these days it's interesting when we started back in, well, in our case, in about 2009, I mean, you, when we would call people and ask them, uh, to come on a podcast, you'd, you'd really have to explain <laughs> what a podcast was. Yeah. Um, and, and particularly when we were talking to politicians, you know, you'd say, podcast, I think, what's a podcast? Oh, it's a radio show. Oh, radio show. Okay. And then they understood yeah. uh, what that was. And, you know, you could sort of work it that way. Now, these days, of course, and particularly in the COVID era, I mean, there's millions of podcasts mm-hmm. around. So people now uh, understand it. But I think, importantly, uh, business understands that better. So you know, that's where we're trying to push. In our case, we understand aviation. So that's a logical starting point for us. And um, 
yeah, we'll see where it goes. So, so what's yeah. the so what's Steve? What's the the premise behind uh, this sort of general aviation feel to that particular podcast? Then is it is it talking um, to like the local airports and things and and the people that are flying them? Well, it's more about talking to um, to industry players and industry partners. And in, in, in the case of Aviation Trader, they're they're trying to bring on people that, that advertise with them so that they can come on and talk about uh, products oh, yes. and services that they offer. Yeah. So, you know, we can we can tailor uh, a conversation that way because Grant and I are, you know, we, we know aviation. We've been around it a long time. Mm. Um, so we, we sort of we know how to interview people and, you know, perhaps in some cases we pioneered, at least in this part of the world, how to do that. So uh, we would hope that the people, that, people around the place know us um, well enough that they they're comfortable talking to us and we we just try and keep it conversational rather than make it sound like a you know uh what do they call it? like a uh, infomercial we're not really trying to yeah. That. Yeah. yeah well yeah, no, so it's a bit of it's a bit of a mix of that and a bit of a mix of just uh, storytelling, which has been uh, it's been really good. I bet. So, uh, yeah. Of course, every, everybody knows. Um, yeah, and I mean, both you guys are well known for, especially uh, with the air show circuit. Obviously, you, you guys are well known for for providing commentary and things at uh, these things. So it, so it seems a nice sort of neat fit, if you like, to to the work that you guys have been doing already. Yeah, and it's um, look, it's it's called Airwaves by Aviation Trader. If you want to go and look it up, um, some of the latter episodes had content that I recorded while I was in Oshkosh last year. You know, back in the before times, <laughs> and um, look, it, it it was really starting to ramp up and really starting to go, and people were getting interested in it. We had quite a few downloads, and the Aviation Trader um, advertisers and so on were really getting quite interested in it when all hell broke loose and it's all just been put on hold. So hopefully once the dust settles from this sometime next year, we'll pick it all back up again. But the, so that was the GA one. That was Steve and I both co-hosting and Steve working his audio magic to um, produce the final results. Uh, but the, the next one is um, I've, I've had an article printed in Australian Defence Magazine. I know some of the crew involved. I've done, um, if anyone, if you remember, Plane Crazy Down Under, we did a, well, I did, I did an episode on uh, Pitch Black 2014, which is a major um, Air Force exercise. We've got uh, people from all around the world. Air, Air Force has come in. It was really pretty full on, and I was privileged to be taken around uh, with a couple of folks from the Australian Defence Media um, kind of world and foreign ones as well, and yeah, we got the VIP treatment. We were uh, right beside Gable Markers, flying between air bases. It was fantastic stuff. And I had a lot of fun putting out that content. And because of that, so I've got some contacts and they called us up on time and they said, hey, Grant, we want to do a podcast and we, we want to do it with you. Uh, we think you know what you're doing, which, you know, shock horror. Oh, wow. uh, so we, <laughs> no, yeah, account, no, no accounting you, for taste. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So um, I put a proposal in, um, called up Steve and said, hey, we've got another one. And... Um, from that Australian Defence Ma- sorry Australian Defence Magazine podcast came along, and I co-host that with Kath, um, Kathleen Z- sorry Catherine Zising. She'll kill me. Um, I just <laughs> I know I just I just know her as Kath, and she's a lovely lady, and she really knows her stuff with defence here in Australia and industry and so on. And um, so what's happening is the two of us co-host, and we get some people on. And um, episode two and four that have come out in the stream so far have been on uh, the whole strategic view, funding, finance, what's happening in the whole Asia-Pacific area, the the world that we're seeing it at the moment, plus also uh, supply lines and supply line vulnerabilities. We've had, uh, first episode was Kath and I talking about 
the um, Australian Defence Magazine Congress event and some of the views there in the magazine, just an intro and so on. And the third one was about the Australian um, Industry Defence Industry and Defence Network, AIDN. And the fifth one that should be dropping any time next week as we record this is about locks and security locking and things. And that was really, if you're into, like, even if you're not into locks, it was pretty fascinating. And it was um, we were lining up. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one, wasn't it? Even even Steve was sitting there editing it going, wow, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it always helps if the content doesn't make the producer nod off, I find. That's that's often the way forward. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's, it's it's good stuff. And, um, yeah, so Australian Defence Magazine, that's the, that's the new one. So if you look for Australian Defence Magazine podcast or if you go to um, australiandefence.com.au and then click on podcast up the top, uh, yeah, you'll get to hear Kath and I interviewing some really interesting people. And if the quality sounds really good, which many people are talking about how good the quality is, that's 100% thanks to Steve. Okay. Absolutely. Well, he, just, he's the expert, let's well, be honest. <laughs> well, it's also to do with that fancy new uh, road uh, microphone Grant's got there. It's, it took me, how long have we known each other, Grant? 12 years? It's taken me 11.5 <laughs> years to get him to upgrade that microphone. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the first episode I was using a headset um, that I've got with a microphone yeah. and it just wasn't working. And, and Steve's like, oh, you don't sound good. I've done everything I can. And I'm listening to it and going, oh, yeah, that's yeah. not good. So I literally, Steve said, this is the one you want. I found it on storedj.com.au and raced out immediately that day, <laughs> bought it, bought the arm you can see here yeah. for suspending it and everything. And the, and the just got everything and went, stuff it. We're doing this properly. And Absolutely. the benefits have been brilliant. I yeah. bet. I bet. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a fascinating project. Uh, and uh, j- tell us where we can find that again. Uh, that's uh, look for Australian Defence Magazine podcast and your favourite podcatcher. It's on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. It should be on Deezer and Spotify and all those ones. Um, otherwise, you can go to australiandefence.com.au and uh, go to the podcast, just click up the top of podcast and you'll see them all there. And it's got links to all those ones I've just mentioned, plus, of course, the RSS feed for those of us who like to do it uh, oh, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I do have it on um, valid comment that you can find it on uh, most of the other podcatchers around. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, too, like you're part of the journey here, for me at least, uh, in this podcasting space, and, and, the, and the reason I got into podcasting was because I, I just – I've always just, probably because I'm actually a really boring person, I've always been fascinated with talk radio. And uh, so it's, it's, it was a way into that. And, um, you know, I've, I've had the chance now to actually go and do some talk, some actual talk back radio. It's, it's, it's awesome. But sort of along this journey, it's, it's been a learning about how to produce audio better. And, and you know, I'm not a sound engineer, but, uh, you know, it's, it's allowed me to mix with radio industry people here uh, and I have learned heaps from that. So yeah. we are now able to, you know, a lot of people are starting podcasts now and all you potential podcasters out there, if you're watching this, you know, we, we, we notice that podcasts come along and they last five, six episodes and people think, oh, hang on, this actually takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to make it sound good. And it takes a little bit of investment too. So we've, we've, we think we've perfected that now and we're always trying to work to make it sound better. But um, it, it's, it's really gratifying now that people are coming to us and saying we like the quality of the mm. work that you're producing, uh, and um, we, we, we take some pride in that because we've we've yeah. basically learnt that as we go. And I reckon Carlos would be in the same because I have a look at some of the gear that you guys have got in your studio, and I I think he's got 
bitten by the same bug. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, no, 100%. And we've been so lucky, really, as I say, because this lovely studio that I'm sat in here now with all its fancy cr- chroma key walls and, and all that kind yeah. of thing, beautiful sound desks, we've got um, Focusrite boxes and all sorts, all plugged into this thing. They've all been, we've been so lucky, really. I mean, it's all been funded by our wonderful listeners. So, I mean, it's, you know, our, our quality is down to their awesomeness, let's be honest. But yeah. uh, look, uh, yeah. they, they sound like really exciting projects projects uh steve i actually remember one of your very first i remember you tweeting uh one of your first news uh bulletins that you did and we actually did play a snippet on the show because we were all so excited to hear your voice back on back on the airways in some form so it was it was <laughs> oh, a real thank you very it, much. Was, it was a, it was a real privilege to sort of listen and stuff now look i've got you guys on here i have to i know we we try desperate to avoid that that c word uh throughout most of our, our podcast because you know, what, commitment. You, that, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, that's a much better version. Um, we, we try desperately to avoid that, that C word because it is decimating the industry to which we all dearly love. Um, but I, I can't have you guys on and not ask, you know, I mean, what, what has life been like during all this for, for you guys in Australia? Oh, I haven't really well, there's noticed been Australia, a lot of and then there's been Victoria, and then there's been <laughs> Melbourne, where we live. <laughs> yeah. We we are we are the infectious state, oh, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's look, not look. Victoria anymore. They're calling it Victoria now, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Look, here's here's the deal, right? Um, when all this started um, back in God, was it only March? <laughs> it feels like as yeah. as everyone's been saying, it's it's like every month feels like a year, and every day feels like nothing. Mm. Um, but what's happening is. Uh, yeah, we, when this first started off, we had a couple of cruise ships come in and disgorge uh, some um, passengers who were infected, and uh, that was that was known as the cruise ship gate kind of thing. Wow. Um, caused a lot of yeah, that caused a lot of stuff happening, and but that was all based on clusters, and everyone jumped on it, and we locked down, and we got over it. Then there was the problem that's hit here in Victoria, which is uh, where some companies that were doing the quarantining because anyone coming into the country had to quarantine for 14 days. Yeah. Um, nowadays, you have to pay for that yourself. So if you want to come to Australia and you can convince Australia to let you in first, you then have to pay about $3,000 for a fortnight to stay in a hotel and be checked and all that. I've got a friend who's just come back from the US and fortunately she had her flight booked before they started that so she's not being charged. But um, yeah, anyone coming in these days will get charged $3,000 for the privilege of being put in a hotel for two weeks. And um, yeah, unfortunately the um, one of the companies running that down here in Melbourne, apparently we're still waiting for all the official wording to come out but there's an, uh, like a very serious inquest going into it because it turns out they were hiring people online without putting training, just chucking them in there, no real indication of how to use PPE properly. And there's some stories of guards getting naughty with people in the rooms. There's stories of people sharing lighters, uh, guards is, is, is escorting it, people. Is any of this going to get me sued? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, 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 that's all public. That's oh, all public. No, no, yeah. it's all public, all public knowledge. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's... Um, it's, it's to be, here in Melbourne at the moment, um, we tried opening up again and the numbers kind of really spiked. Of course, it's the middle of winter here, so maybe that's playing into it. Who knows? Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty depressed place at the moment. Um, the states, uh, well, Mel- the Melbourne area, the Melbourne metropolitan 
region has been basically turned into East Berlin. Uh, we can't get out. <laughs> wow. And, uh, we're, we're trapped. <laughs> we're trapped. <laughs> we're trapped. We, we basically, we're not allowed. We're in a, we're in a stage three lockdown here now. Um, everybody it's it's stage four minus because we have to wear masks now. Right. Oh, Everyone, yeah. is, it's mandatory. If you go out, and you must you know, wear a mask. Uh, I mean, now I, I work in an essential service, so I have to go in, into work into yeah. the city each day. Uh, and it's, it's, it's pretty depressing. It's a pretty soulless, lifeless place at the, the moment. Ghost town. Yeah. It, it really is. It's, um, yeah. it's, it's really sad. So hopefully we will, I mean, not hopefully we will, we will get through this, but uh, it's, it's for Victoria, at least it's, it's going to take months still. And, um, yeah, let's, let's just hope we all get through it. Absolutely. And, um, I mean, I know, uh, Grant, obviously, uh, I mean, it's a great opportunity to start new projects like this, I guess, when we've all been having a bit more time at home than we'd normally have. But, I mean, I know, I know. Uh, obviously, Kit, we, we worry about, obviously, bless her, because, uh, you know, if some of the people we know, if they get this, it, it, it's bad news, isn't it? Oh, yeah, sure. She'll she'll be in ICU if she gets this, and very likely intubated as well because of all the other hassles she's got going on. I mean, I'm running a risk because I'm overweight. Hello, that's that's the target thing. Um, so there's, there's all that kind no, of stuff. You're not overweight, we... Grant. You're just warm. That's that's the... <laughs> warm and cuddly. Yeah. Warm and cuddly, boys. Warm and cuddly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or as 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 a Polish friend used to call it, duża padushka, big pillow. Um, yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> but the the upshot is that um yeah look uh i i, I kind of hinted it right at the start that um it's, i haven't really noticed a difference i was working at home one or two days a week anyhow and the introverted geek shall inherit the earth you know all that kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> but um it's your yeah, time working... to take over yeah yeah well, well i'll tell been... you what our yeah, efficiency for podcast production has gone through the stratosphere well, <laughs> absolutely well, yeah because yeah. we've we've well, we've been doing this project for um, the Defence Ready series of seminars, uh, a group up in the Hunter Valley, um, Hunter region, and uh, it's basically Goal Group working with uh, the Hunter Defence Task Force, and they're producing this series of seminars um, that were supposed to be face-to-face but are now webinars and all that, and they've contracted us to do these half-hour audio teasers mm. to get people interested in attending the seminars and yeah we've just plowed through all that and you know yeah. I'm, I'm i'm working you know nine to five from home uh for defense and uh, on the sides before and after and all that kind of stuff and sometimes for a lunch i'll i'll take a break for an hour and record an interview and then steve's doing his magic around driving trains and we've churned through um four not, episodes not while i'm driving trains by the no, way no, okay. yeah oh, sorry yeah yeah <laughs> that'd be quite a cab full of kit let's be honest yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i back in the back in the old days i did used to get the occasional text from a certain mr steve <laughs> who'd be sitting somewhere in a in a driver's lounge or maybe in the back of a train that somebody else was driving and he'd be like oh i'm just banging out a few um you know a few cuts and a few edits and all this and i'm being paid by the trains as well and it was like yeah thanks mate because yeah, <laughs> i was there trying to slave away and keep a, a commercial ballooning <laughs> organization running and yeah might i just add to that might i just add to that the word allegedly yeah yeah <laughs> Come on, you're not working for them anymore. You can say this. <laughs> oh, yes. Who cares about those guys? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, look, guys, no one is more excited to hear that you guys are producing podcasts again. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to uh, chat to you guys. Uh, uh, give, give, give yourselves one more plug. 
Well, well, if you'd um, like to hear some of my other work, uh, you can look up Food Bites with Sarah Patterson. Uh, it's a fantastic food podcast that we're doing. We, we love also, food. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, uh, yes, we've done over 100 of those now, and uh, I'm not in them, but I produce them, so you know it's going to sound fantastic. Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> and uh, Ruck and Roll, R-U-C-K-N-Roll is another one. Uh, great uh, music and uh, sport comedy podcast, uh, another one I produced, and um, uh, yeah, great shows. We could always use more listeners, so uh, yeah, look those up in your favourite podcatcher. Seriously, how do you have time to actually go and drive a train? <laughs> oh, you know, I squeeze it in here and there. <laughs> he just he just ignores the honey do list right. that um, <laughs> Kathy keeps giving him. She's up to yeah, volume yeah. seven, and right. yeah, okay, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Can't, can't can't paint that house today. Sorry, <laughs> too busy. Yeah. Melbourne weather. Melbourne weather. Terrible. <laughs> um, earning money. Earning money. No, the, um, Look, the, um, if you want to find all of us together in one spot as well, you can go to southernskiesmedia.com.au. So that's southern, like the south, skies, S-K-I-E-S, media.com.au. And you'll see references to Plain Crazy, uh, the Ausdesk. Uh, we've got a website that collects all the Ausdesk episodes we've done. Um, doesn't quite have all of them on there yet. I'm trying to get time to load them, especially the radio play ones that we did. That uh, you, I think Steve's got some grey hairs or lack of hair because of those ones. Uh, they, they were effectively like doing a 10-minute long radio drama with sound effects, stories, oh, wow. everything. Oh, that was awesome. Some of those ones when we were coming back and trying, like when we tried to fly a hot air balloon to the um, US to, and then we swam the way and, and then we were coming back and uh, the, the, boat, the boat sank and yeah, oh, we wound up beached Asbro on a Kiwi beach with a, a friend of ours from New Zealand. It was just hilarious fun. Um, but, yeah, so they're all up there. Um, it's also got links to Australian Defence Media and then you can find links to Defence Ready and links to Food Bites and Rock and Roll and uh, one of the other groups that Steve does some work for. So it's all there and also links to the two DVDs that we produced back in the day in 2014 and 2016. We produced two airshow DVDs, absolutely awesome content, but it just burnt us out to do them. So we haven't done any more since. Um, so yeah, southernskiesmedia.com.au and as more stuff comes to light, we'll chuck it on there. Fantastic. And if anybody wants, if anybody's out there and they're, they're thinking they'd like to, uh, they need advice on podcasting or production, Drop us a line. Happy to help. Um, we're always happy to help. The, the one great thing we found uh, in the aviation podcasting community, particularly, is that everybody pitches in. Uh, it's yeah. not one competing against the other. We can all no. make great content. And uh, we're happy to help. yep, yep, yeah. absolutely. Well, I mean, and we're we're very lucky. I mean, we, we've we've all got very close ties with with yourselves and and with you know airline air, um, uh, airline pilot guy and and airplane geeks and all that kind of thing. It's just one big happy family, and that's one of the lovely things about the aviation community, isn't it? We're we're all friends together. You bet. Yeah, yeah. Although Rob Mark's still spending the money I sent over after I sold him the kidney to allow us on the show, but that's a whole <laughs> different story. That's another Who conversation. Is that guy? Anyway, I've never heard of him. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think he's doing something with flying. But, you know, right, yeah. okay. Anyway, before one or other of us all get sued, uh, it's been great to <laughs> chat to you guys. Um, uh, Armando uh, will be delighted to, to hear that there's an aviation podcast, you know, a military podcast out there for him to enjoy. And look, uh, you guys clearly don't have anywhere near enough to do, so we're always looking for military-based content. So feel free to create an Ausdesk for us as well. We will always be delighted to receive it. But, uh, uh, <laughs> we'll see what we can do, mate, because... Yeah, yeah. Careful what you wish for. We'll see what we could do. But the 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 fun part is, um, I, I'm one of the people who who, unlike Captain L, really enjoys the military section of your show. 
I personally believe in the aviation geek version of Fifty Shades of Grey. I took a photo of it at an air show one time <laughs> and you had all these military aircraft and all these different shades of grey yeah. and it was I posted it. It was like all the tails and the aircraft and all that and it was like Fifty Shades of Grey airplane geek version. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, we'll have to get you, we'll have to somehow find an impossible time zone. I guess the only trouble with Armando being in Charlotte and you being in, in, in <laughs> Australia is to find some impossible way of you of the, the skies aligning to maybe do something together. <laughs> But uh, thank you very much for your time today, guys. It's been great to chat to you. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Hey, no worries, mate. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, how nice was it to catch up with those legends of podcasting? Seriously. Bring oh, back so... PCDU. I know, Bring absolutely. As I say, I told you that their Avalon coverage was the first was the first podcast I ever listened to, genuinely. Um, so, you know, I've got a, I've got them to thank for this new weekly nightmare. I have, I I have a bone to pick with those guys. Oh, dear. Here we go. Yes, go I on. I sent Grant a piece of audio uh, to the song of Waltzing Matilda. <laughs> Um, which was uh, a song about his very last uh, show uh, when he used to be a regular podcaster under a different name. And he never played it. Did he not? Oh, dear. I'm close to, I mean, I've waited uh, like three years. Right, you've been very patient, Uh, yeah. Yeah, Uh, I have, but I'm I'm close to dropping him from my birthday card Oh, no, absolutely. Well, if I know Grant... Quite often, as we all know, um, who is forever looking for uh, um, glitches or things that we've said wrong, where we all end up with tweets at some point. So I dare say, Nick, there will be a tweet response forthcoming at any moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, like in three days, if it's Grant's usual response yes, rate. absolutely. But uh, it, it was so nice to hear from them and so great to hear from Steve as well. I mean, we've been lucky that we've had uh, Grant on a, a few times. I, I think... Uh, uh, John was saying he'll, he'll remind me in a minute how many times he'd been on, but uh, Steve had only actually been on the once, really. So it was lovely to have uh, to have a good chat with him. And, he is um, a great friend. They're both great friends of the aviation community. Yeah, They're yeah. funny guys, and they know an awful lot of stuff, they which do. is brilliant. Absolutely fascinating to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Grant's been on twelve times. I'm being told in my ear. There we are. And, uh, uh, and I think this is Nick's twentieth appearance, is it not? Do I seem to recall? Yeah. So this is the twentieth time ooh. you've been on the show. Isn't, don't pull that face. And I haven't right. had a penny in royalties <laughs> yet, so I'm just yeah. Funnily I'm enough, I'm just I, wondering whether I'll, yeah, I haven't had any. You've got to hold I, up in your account. Hold on, Nick. So, yeah, no, Nick I, I've, I've got it here. Right. I've got, okay. I've got your pay. That's not. That's not. I said it 10p. I'll tell you what, Nick, what, what we'll do is we'll negotiate a fee along the lines of the royalties that I haven't been paid for the family show, ladies and gentlemen, family show. So, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I... you'll have to take that up with our American division. Fair enough. Okay, all right then. I'll write to Auntie Liz, shall I? Yeah. No, that's <laughs> oh, our Canadian division. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. You, you'll right. need to try the American division. <laughs> oh, apparently, it's, yeah, 20. Dr. St- Dr. Steph is horrified that you've been on 20 times. Uh, <laughs> this is always nice. Yes, perhaps you need to invite the pretty lady back on. Oh well, I would imagine I would imagine her appearances aren't a million miles away from yours. To be fair, um, perhaps I'm wrong. Oh, fourteen. Oh, don't you just hate it when the producer's got all of these figures to make I don't you know look how stupid? He does like, it. I know he doesn't get out much. That's that's literally he that's doesn't get out much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, the, such is the aviation industry currently anyway uh it's time to start wrapping up guys uh let's let's do some social media if you wouldn't mind please carlos oh social media links matt so it's facebook twitter and instagram social media for 
or search it for Plain Talking UK. Don't forget our WhatsApp number if you want to have your picture uh, on the screen behind Matt on the green screen in the studio or send us some feedback, where it be uh, audio <laughs> or text. You can send it to our WhatsApp number, plus 44757 229166. And it's been uh, quite busy this week. Did, did, uh, Josh, Josh, uh, uh, John is actually saying, Am I aviation related pictures, please? Nothing, yes, nothing, yes. Nothing else. Not, not food. <laughs> uh, yeah, send send the right. other ones to me. Okay, right. that's fine. That and you can email the show podcast at com. <laughs> you can also go over to our website, allaws.plaintalkinguk.com, and on the website, you'll find the all-important shop where you can grab yourself a T-shirt. I'm glad to say that Sue got her T-shirt over in the US this week. Oh, so congrats to you, Sue. And you can also oh, I find love mine. I love the, the embroidered uh, patch. It's not just printed, you know, guys. Ooh, it's quality, really quality. fine quality embroidery. And you can uh, also grab yourself... You. A yes. PTUK mug as well, if you wish to drink your wine from a to mug. join the other mug. mugs here. <laughs> and why not subscribe? So- soldier on, Carlos, go on. Our <laughs> YouTube channel, where you can get notifications to when we go live. You can help shape the conversation of the show by joining us in the chat room. Go to our website, allaws.youtube.com, or actually you can go to youtube.com and search for Plain Talking UK. And also, don't forget, on our website, there's the links to use for Amazon. If you uh, shop on Amazon, which I have done just before the show, because Matt uh, can have some nice earphones for the studio next Woo-hoo! week. Woo! And yeah, also... Yeah. There's the links on our website if you want to become a Patreon to the show and help to push the show along as we do uh, with uh, a dollar or two. You can click on the Patreon link or you can make Sterling a one-time donation available now as well, by through, the way. through PayPal. So you can click on the PayPal link and make a one-time donation. Yes. And a uh, little reminder as well, obviously, about the feedback or the, um, the segment you've just seen with uh, Stephen Grant. Don't forget to check out the Australian Defence Magazine podcast and Airwaves by Aviation Trader. So next week uh, we will be back on Friday, hopefully with a full crew. Fingers crossed. Um, hopefully everyone can make it. Uh, and uh, next week I'm going to bring cakes to the virtual studio because it'll be my birthday. Oh, what on the actual day? Not on the actual day. It's on oh, Wednesday, okay. but it's right. near enough. Hang it's on, near no, no, enough. No, no, no. That's I'll not be how back this in works. a second, guys. I think I've locked my wife out of the house. Oh, dear. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, dear. Nick will be in trouble. Right. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness. Oh. So, uh, so, next, yeah, so next week, uh, well, I'll have some cake left over if I don't eat it all on Wednesday right, when, I, okay. when I turn 21 again. That's not how um, this works, by the way, Carlos. You're supposed to, be, mm. you're supposed to buy cakes for everyone else, not for you. <laughs> I'll, social distancing, Matt. Social distancing. Oh, right. Handy excuse. Anyway, um, do, do what John said, please. So a big, <laughs> massive, massive thank you to Andrew over at the Plain Reclaimers and uh, for sending uh, us uh, the voucher and stuff for yeah. Andrew van der Sarg, who's won the voucher. So congratulations to you, Andrew, on being drawn from the hat. And don't forget all the, all the stories that have been sent in to us as well by you guys who've entered the competition will be uh, coming up in future shows. So keep your ears and eyes over. And if you want to see more of the Plain Reclaimers, you can check out them on episode 324. If you go back to our uh, show on 324, you'll find out more about what they do there. And uh, 
check out the website, basically, mm. because there's loads of new stuff on the website again this week. I think you can virtually buy the entire flight deck from a 747 uh, in there, on there this week. So. I think got an A340 hand controller, the side stick yet. No, they, they have got an A340 um, uh, uh, exhaust nozzle from an engine, Nick. I mean, a small part of me is well, concerned. Well, it's probably a CFM56, blah. Yeah. <laughs> I, want a, I want a Trent, 500. Right. Thank you very much. Okay. Quite, absolutely, very high standards. Anyway, that's uh, it, boys and girls. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, Nick, uh, thank you for stepping in and uh, Thanks, keep, Nick. keeping Armando's chair very warm. <laughs> <laughs> and they've uh, yeah, well, I'm absolutely. a bit worried about that statement, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> Indeed. So uh, hopefully we'll is... see Nev next week. Oh. Uh, missed you, mate. Missed you. Yes, we have missed you. And you as well, Armando. Get back soon. Get back soon. But, uh, yeah, that is uh, where we are going to bring episode 332 a close. Thanks, everyone, in the YouTube chat room. Thanks to all the audio downloaders of the show. Have a great weekend, whatever you're doing. Enjoy, I was going to say enjoy your Sunday roast, but it's way too hot for that here in the UK. <laughs> so enjoy your weekend. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye, Take everyone. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Airlinepilotguy.com. <laughs> <laughs>